This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I felt intimidated in the workplace. I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I'm not out there to upset anybody. We have a finite amount of time where really are meant to make a difference to other humans' lives. As far as cancer concerns, well, you want a property, so you can't get emergency accommodation. But I can't get into it. Join the conversation. Call 0818 Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 97fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Hang on, just getting myself in here. You're all right. You're all right. Settle down. <laughs> Morning to you. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text or WhatsApp is 083. 396-96-96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie I want you to think of a name and see do you remember it if you remember it see do you know why you remember it he is a man or he was a man for I don't think he's with us anymore he was a man who brought hours of pleasure to many a cork child and his name was William Harbutt who? William Harbutt. William Harbutt bought, brought hours, years, decades of joy and pleasure to Irish children, Cork children. Who was he? Have a think about it. I'll tell you about it later on. I, I had completely forgotten his name until I read it this morning. That's exact. That's, yeah, yeah. William Harbutt. H A R. B-U-T-T He wasn't a Corkman He was not a Corkman But he brought years of pleasure To thousands of us Me included Me included when I was a young fella William Harbutt Brought me hours and hours and hours of joy Figure that one out for you On a Friday morning 0818 96 96 96 That and plenty more Also been going through I've had this lying around on my desk For a while Stuff that used to be free that costs us money now. Uh, you'd be amazed when you read it down. And something I want to return to as well, and it being Friday, um, and it happened again to me 
earlier this week and when someone calls at my front door trying to sell me something it's the same conversation that I have with them all the time I say to them look you're probably a very nice person you're probably as honest as the day is long but I buy nothing at the front door seriously if my own mother my own dear mother see you later mammy if my own dear mother rocked up at my front door selling me raffle tickets for Marymount no wouldn't wouldn't do it it's, it's, it's I just don't but cold calling uh, and I mentioned this last week and, and a few people messaged in and then of course typical me put the thing down to one side and forgot about it cold calling is a bloody nuisance I'm sorry now I know someone has to do it I know it's a rotten job I know they're not very well paid an awful lot of them it's a rotten job and it, and it is but, but cold calling it's a pain in the neck a real pain in the neck so I'll come back to all of those of those things but you know I'll start off to, actually I'll, yeah I will before I go to talk to Ed I'll start off the, the, the morning because many things have come up this week in the course of the programme that were negative and I'm going to be going straight to something that's not exactly all that positive either with, with, with Ed but um, we had the drugs raid we had the storm that did wreck we had protests at Les- Leinster House then we had the poor misfortune, whoever he was or she was, for it could have been, um, who got stuck. See the picture going around Reddit yesterday? His truck. Now, if you know that part of town, you surely the person didn't know the area all that well. Up off Blarney Street there, that narrow street. I can't quite read the name of the street, and I know I should know it. I know I, know I should know it. I know the, the, the geography of the area well, but... This transport truck, noon transport, stuck, stuck fast there at the angle by, by Blarney Street. The picture was on, was on Reddit and I, I felt sorry for the guy. I really did because whoever's driving that truck either didn't know the area or took a chance on it. Um, sad to see that. But anyway, besides all of that, oh yeah, um, who, I don't know who sent us this? Outside of the drugs and the storm and the protests, what a great few days it has been to put a smile on our face. We had rugby with a few cork heads involved. We beat the box, of course, like. Then we had the soccer with Denise O'Sullivan playing brilliantly and the Irish women's team playing fantastic under Eileen Gleeson, their, their interim gaffer. I, I think she's a shoe-in for that job. Um, they're brilliant at the moment. And then young Kelleher, Quivine, Quivine Kelleher. They, they can, I think they can just about pronounce his name now in Sky Sports. Quivine Kelleher, captaining Liverpool. It's, you know, it's been, a, it's been a pretty good week for Cork people as well along the way. Much, much positivity to be had from it. It's a beautiful Friday. It's a gorgeous Friday. Look out at that compared to where we were 48 hours ago with Agnes. Look out at that. That's a stunning autumnal morning. And the forecast for the weekend looks looks pretty good too. So lots to focus on. But first of all, this came up at the very, very start of the week when I was chatting to Joe from Cork Bio about protests outside of schools. Um, small numbers of protests. One of them happened only up the road from us here. We had a report of one happening in Frankfield and, and, and others people just gathering outside schools and giving out leaflets leaflets that they say are a revelation of what's going on inside the school inside the classes to do with 
sex education. Now, Pamela was on with me yesterday. Pamela drew up this curriculum and sent, sent me her teaching notes months ago. And like, nah, it's nonsense, but it's getting to be a serious problem. And Ed Fitzgerald, campaigner of many years standing on many, many issues, Ed contacted us wanting to, just wanting to speak up a little bit because Ed, I think you feel now that with people gathering outside of schools, handing out leaflets, it's, 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 it's going a step too far or very close to it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I mean, how could you not be concerned about a group of strange adults coming up to a school full of children, um, you know, who, who shouldn't be there? Um, and they're they're arriving with various different leaflets and everything else. I mean, the people who are doing this right, they'll they'll run around and they'll talk about um, protecting childhood, but they have no interest in protecting children. There's a lot of kind of positive ways that you could impact the lives of children without going and you know handing out leaflets about um, sex education, which is really you know it's it's really to me it's it's, it's a way of weaponizing concern. You know the Simpsons where they go, somebody please think of the children? <laughs> yeah. um, these leaflets, um, they're built around censorship, really. They're about, um, first of all, they're full of misinformation, but they're designed and targeted at the LGBTQ, um, which is what we've seen in the libraries, uh, which is what we've seen with groups of these people running around calling people paedophiles, um, reading out these um, uh, these lewd um, sections from books and whatever to to actual children I should say um, and also breaking into family spaces and filming children without consent hanging around outside schools it's it's really like it's it's to me it's monetized abuse because as much as they're talking about being activists and thinking of the children they never forget to to, to plug their old donate to revolut and everything else you know yes um, yeah. it's it, to me um to me it's a case of every accusation to me, right? Um, why I'm saying that is, if you really want to protect children, why are you running around calling everyone paedophiles? Because if you're running around doing that, all it does is provide cover for child abusers. If you're out there and you're opposing um, sexual education, and I should should add, right, that the SPHE um, curriculum, that's for people who are young adults. That's not for young kids. They're, they're targeting primary schools with this kind of stuff. And it's they're, they're using false information that's incredibly pornographic. They're reading it in front of small children in the hopes of creating some sort of moral panic to encourage this kind of, oh, we must stop sex education, it's bad. But protecting children involves informing them about the real world and unfortunately we live in a world where you know you you can't plan for everything um the world is a bit unsafe and if you're if you're removing education from children that allows them to point out their abuser if they're if they're a survivor of child abuse for example and you're taking away the language for them to do so and you're not actually educating them about the reality of the world then what you're doing is providing cover for the real child abusers. Yeah. They might call everybody paedophiles, but you're really providing cover for them. The other side of it is, is that we live in a, in a, in a society of multiple spectrums of different families. You know, we have LGBT families. We've got um, people who are from heritages that are outside of Ireland. You know, we have, we have lots of different cultures. We have people of different abilities. And if you're trying to shut down any kind of education around that, then you're basically denying the reality of, of our diverse society, you know? You mentioned the, the, the misinformation stroke, disinformation. What they're claiming is in the curriculum 
isn't in the curriculum. And one worries not just for the children who have to put up with this, but for parents who might swallow this nonsense that, that, that's being told to them outside schools. But you see, that's it. Um, it's very easy to hand a leaflet to somebody and say no more. Somebody goes home and they read that leaflet and they're going, God, I don't want my child learning that. Um, and of course, they're going to take that out in the school. Um, and there's, going to, there's a whole kind of journey with that because you go from this person handing you the leaflet and you take it home. Then you're kind of like, you have a worry. What is my child learning at school? And you take that anger to school teachers who are for all intents and purposes, doing their best to educate the child within the, the within the standards of the curriculum, and you know all of this information is false. I mean, there's another there's another story that's after bubbling up recently, uh, PJ, and it's along the same lines where there are these groups and they are masquerading um, as other groups. So there's the Education Training Board of Ireland, and there's a group that have have mimicked the name. And they're bringing in people, they're hosting events in various different places mm. around They've Ireland. already had a meeting in Dublin. We haven't heard of one in Cork yet, but almost inevitably there will be one. And the Education Training Board has said they have nothing to do with us at all. Like, when we're getting to that level, Ed, it's getting very worrying. I know that, and without mentioning any group by name, please, you yourself have had to intervene. Has there been a case of doxing that you came across? Yes. I suppose for listeners, you better explain what doxing is first. So doxing is effectively uh, providing information in an online space or any platform that identifies the personal information of uh, an individual. This can be an adult or a child. Um, In this case, uh, a a far-right activist um, decided that they were going to dox a child because under their belief, they believed that the child was transgender. Uh, They included details about the child's class, what the child was wearing, and the school that they went to. Um, so having seen this information, um, I reached out to the principal of the school involved, uh, who made me uh, aware that they, they were familiar with these far-right activists because the school had been targeted in the past. And they had to liaise then with, with the uh, with the guardie after, after that point, at which point my job was done. Because at the end of the day, if you're, if you're part of a, what in my mind is a hate group, and you're directing that hatred at a child, you've no interest in protecting children. Mm-hmm. You have, a, you have, a, you have an, an, an agenda of hate, which is really what the kickback against the sex education is about. They, they hate LGBTQ plus people. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to dilute that. That's, that's the truth of it. I mean, if you're running around and you're calling people, you know, the, the, the pedophiles for nothing more than being a, a grown adult who has a same-sex relationship, you know, you've, you, you've, got, you've got bigger issues than the, in quotation marks, protecting childhood because that's not what you're doing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is the same kind of people that are have become known as the library botherers uh, of, of a Saturday afternoon and now they're bothering children. We did hear of one dad who confronted them outside the school. But what can you do? This is the thing. Their defence is that, oh, we're in the public street. We're entitled to be here. You see, there, there's very little you can do except take your child and walk away from them. You know, um, for us, like it's 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 very difficult because one of the things that I think that people can do, and I think this is important, is when you have events of solidarity that are about bringing the community together, right? You you might not have an avenue for support. I mean, obviously, you report to the school, you report to the guardie, you see what you can do there. Um, but there are other there are other ways that you can do it. You can go to things like the Cork Rebels for Peace rallies for the librarians, which are there to about 
building communities in Cork, standing up for what makes Cork a good space. There's one on on Saturday at 1pm outside the library. Mm-hmm. And these are the kinds of things that people can attend because it's all about celebrating what brings us together. So it, it doesn't matter what background you're from, whether you're LGBT, black or white or Asian or whether you're a refugee or, you know, we've seen the, tar- the, the, the fire rate target everybody. They've targeted health workers. They've targeted um, the LGBT. They've targeted immigrants. They've targeted members of the press. The one thing is that they're, that they're doing is they're not growing in numbers, but their list of enemies is growing longer. If we come together, and I'm talking about families who want to, to stand together with us, join these rallies, because the best way to defeat this, this rhetoric is to say we've had enough and come together and say in one unanimous voice, no more. Ed, good call. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, PJ. Ed, thanks. thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another... There's a solidarity demonstration. I got an email yesterday from Joe Moore. There's a solidarity demonstration outside the library yesterday against this. It's kind of old nonsense. Here's a message in says, Will you do your job and challenge him when he says the protest in the library is against LGBT? It's about the book. I never called the protest in library and to do against LGBT. It's it's about the book, but We've had this conversation on the programme over the last couple of months. I'm happy to have it again. But but with regard to the book being in the library, it's not the library workers who decided to put it there. It's people way up the ladder on much higher pay, um, on a higher pay grade, as they say, than them. So they're, they're the wrong targets. And in fact, I had one of the protesters on me very early in the summer. I think it was far, as far back maybe as May or June. June probably um, and when I put that to her she'd been part of one of these protests and she'd been a peaceful part to be fair and she'd been a, she hadn't done any silly shouting or filming people or whatever I said to her what about what if I said to you that look the people who are in behind that counter had nothing to do with that book going in the library and if you object to that book being in the library then go and talk to the person whose decision it was because it wasn't theirs and they kind of accepted that that argument, which is which is good. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Kevin says they're now moving on to harass teachers and children. And as for misinformation, it's very difficult to unsee or unread something. That's why it works well. Don't be a useful idiot for these extremist groups. I don't know. I hope you're not calling me one of those, Kev. I don't think you are. To be fair. But there have been there have been more protests. Only a handful of protests outside schools now, yet so far, and we've no word of any one of these meetings being called in Cork, purporting to be backed by education authorities when they absolutely are not. But they're coming. If they're not here already, they are coming. I mentioned that truck stuck up in um, off Blarney Street or near Blarney Street. It was Friars Avenue. Thank you, thank you, Friars Avenue. Another truck got stuck there yesterday and cut the power to one of the houses. Oh, God. And it's really narrow. And you have to be sorry for anyone driving a truck that's sent to a place like that, particularly someone who might know the area, and they're using their GPS or they're using their the, the air code to get to where they need to make the delivery, and they're going down this road. Oh, no. Not going to make it. 0818 96 96 96. I'm going to do this now, Fergal, rather than... Um, waiting, because if I don't do it, I'll forget it again, like I did last week. This happened to me over a week ago now, so it's a small little bit out of date, 
But it's not because I got another phone call or another ring on the doorbell the other evening. And I was wondering, and I was putting it out there, and if anyone has worked in cold calling, particularly door-to-door cold calling, um, and is listening to me this morning, like, are there actually rules as to when you can do it? I had, this, this happened, was it yesterday week? It was yesterday week. I'd called callers three times to the door claiming to represent one of the main energy providers. Um, I'll name the provider in a minute because they still haven't responded to me. Happened first about three o'clock. Um, I was on the phone and I couldn't get to the front door. By the time I got to the front door, um, they, they were gone. I was on a work call at home. So they called again about four. And I answered the door. There was a young lad there. He showed me ID. Um, and I told him, that, look, I've, which is true, I've recently signed a new contract with my current provider and I'm happy with it for now. i just done another change of contract. And he said, so he, he, even as I was telling him this, like he continued with, with this sales pitch. And again, I said, look, I, I'm sorry. And you kind of wasted your time. I told you, I, I've just... So eventually he got the point and, and he thanked me for my time and he left. And he was a grand lad. Grand young fella. Young fella. Very young fella. About 20 to 9 on a Thursday night, the doorbell rang again. 20 to 9 at night. Now, this, this, this got on my nerves. There was two young fellas there this time. And I couldn't swear to it, but one of them was my previous visitor. If, if you put a photograph up in front of me now, I could, couldn't swear to it. But one of them was almost certainly the guy who'd been there twice during the day. So I answered the door, and again I said, look, lads, we're happy with the current provider we have. And I also said, look, isn't it a bit late for this, to be knocking on someone's door in the dark of the night at 20 to 9? And I said, I repeated, look, I've had a conversation with you earlier. I won't be buying anything from you today, please, you know. One of them, I have to say the young guy, the guy that I recognised from earlier, then he got a bit rude. I won't go into details of what happened, but he got a bit rude. So I said, look, lads, right, conversation is over. Go, please, leave me alone. Don't come back here again tonight or any time soon. I closed the door, left him there. And I was, <laughs> I was like a demon. Um, Queen Bee was trying to calm me down, saying, look, relax, relax. I said, no, no. It, it, it. I tweeted the provider, who, by the way, was SSE Airtricity, to ask them what the rules are with regard to cold calling. Um, was cold calling to someone's door on a dark evening now part of the sales policy? Now, it's a week on. I haven't had a reply from them yet. But, but if you, I, I just think it's... I don't think 20 to 9 at night is an acceptable time in the dark of the night. I don't think it's an acceptable time to be knocking on someone's front door trying to sell them something. I really don't. Apart from the fact that I buy nothing on the door anyway. Anyone worked in worked in cold call sales would care to enlighten me? Because if there's something I'm missing, I'm happy to learn it. Yeah, the sat-nav, Frank says, it's the sat-nav that sends these trucks wrong. Yeah, or the... You can now put your air code into... 
Google Maps and it'll find anyway. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line. With hidden hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Corks 96 FM. A fundraising concert in aid of the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association and Marymount Hospice in memory of John Mulcahy takes place in the Arches Mallow Marquee on Friday the 13th of October. Cash returns. Johnny Cash and June Carter live tribute show starts at 8.30pm. It's a strictly over 18s event and tickets are available in the Arches. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Mick says, uh, morning PJ, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Mick. Uh, those lads at the front door are using you for training. This is how you have set a customer. Keep calling. It wasn't the keeping calling that really bothered me. It was the rudeness and the time of night. The time of night first, and then the fact that he got kind of rude. Um, I, I'm not going to say what he did because I actually don't want to get him fired initially I did but my wife talked a bit of sense into me I wouldn't like to see the young lad fired at all but he was rude 0818969696 could it be a thing that guards will be on strike within a few weeks it, it's never happened I remember the blue flu and then we had trouble in 2016 where we almost got to the brink of a strike but it's looking very much like the guards will well they can't go on strike the guards can't go on strike it's 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 a, it's a thing but they could withdraw their labour and they could all phone in sick on the one day uh, thousands of them up and down the country everybody who's rostered to work on one particular day could phone in sick and that day could be early November and it's all to do with this row over rosters this head-to-head between the guard that representative association and Drew Harris the commissioner it now looks as if as early as next Tuesday, they'll start refusing to do overtime. And of course, the following Tuesday is budget day and they'll refuse to do overtime for budget day. And if it gets to as late as early November, they could withdraw all services on one day in early November. Very serious situation indeed. More on that in a while. 0818969696. You know these scams that you get they start with a text message. I get half a dozen of them a week. I just delete them or I answer them. I answer them back and I give a name. Uh, uh, hi, Mom. Or hi, Dad. I broke my phone. This is my new number. Save it, will you? I'm having a bad day and I need a big favour. So you answer, what is this? What's the favour? So I have an invoice that's due today. But because I changed my number, the confirmation code is going back to my old number and the bank said it takes 72 hours to change. You know the way that your bank sends you a conversation. It's, it's very believable, isn't it? It is. Um, Stephen Carney started playing with one of these guys and he answered the scam. He warns that it gets very realistic. And you will be reeled in if you're not very, very careful. And he has a load of screenshots. He went on the Ballyvalan notice board with this. And he had a load of screenshots. And and eventually, he actually rang one of them, boasting about how much he'd managed to scam. He pretended to be a scammer. Uh, Here's here's a snatch of that. This, This is Stephen now 
ringing them, ringing the the scammers, all right? Not I laundered was just over 7,896 euros. All right. To whom? Uh, that's, that's, confi- that's confidential. <laughs> but I'm making a lot of money doing it. You're a very good boy. I like it. Yeah, thanks very much. You're my motivation now. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so how are you doing these days? I hope you've been good. Yeah. But no, no, I like, I, 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 like all, I like all these scam calls, you know, so sometimes <laughs> I just agree with them for the sake of agreeing with them. <laughs> yeah, Stephen scammed the scammer. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to talk to him there in, in just a sec. Just on the books and the library, and every time this comes up, you get a message like this. The staff may not have made the decision to stock the book, but they are in a position to do something about it. Yes, the people who made the decision should be addressed, but staff can voice their concerns, can refuse to handle the books, because this is a moral issue. Yes, children can see explicit images anywhere, but there are people who their parents deem their children to be not suited to see this material. They know their children best, and they have their reasons, not all religious, sometimes psychological, that they shouldn't have access to that book. And that's fine. I understand that. But I'll answer that I'll answer that in a minute. I had this discussion actually with someone I know very well recently. And I put my response and he said, Okay, you have a point there. But Stephen, yeah, this was from the Ballet of Land. You put this up on the Ballet of Land notice board. So you got this. I, I take it you don't have kids, no? I do. Oh, you do. Okay. <laughs> I do, but they were they were they were with me in the house at the time. So, I see. And I knew I knew what it was. Yeah. So right, I've had this know. a couple of times in the week. So it starts with something like, "Hi, mom, <clears throat> I broke my phone this morning," or "Hi, dad, this is my new number. I'm having an awful bad day, and I need a favor." What did you do after that? <laughs> well, I had a bit of time on my hands, and the giddin was in me, so I said, "Er, have a bit of fun, and we play with them." So I replied, "Yeah, what's what's your favor, or what you want?" And they said that he had lost his phone and that um, he has a, a bill to be paid. And I said, yeah, I so said, just send me it. But they asked me then, what bank do I bank with? Now, I, I replied to him AIB because I don't bank with AIB. Mm. Um, so he sent me um, a name and a Bank of Ireland IBAN, mm. which looked kind of real I'm so looking I at it here actually said, I'm looking at it here and, and, and the Mrs. Banks with Bank of Ireland and it's a very credible looking IBAN yeah so and he sent me a name and the IBAN so I just kind of went okay maybe this is like this is where I'm going to stop it so I just kind of said back to him like um, you know the dog surgery is today and um, <laughs> you know he would no longer be a he <laughs> so I said we're having a renaming ceremony <laughs> and we're going calling it scammer <laughs> And uh, that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> and how did the phone call so, come about? Oh, the phone call. Well, that was when we you, you get these automated messages to say that um, you know you've got fifteen accounts in your name. So I said, "Er, press press once." We pressed one, and we were put on hold. And so I gave him a fake name, and yeah, he's came back to me. And I gave him the name James McCarthy, and mm. um, so. He came back to me and he said, yeah, Mr. James, you've got 15 accounts in your name. And I said, only 15. And um, 
he said, yeah, that's right. And he said, it's for money laundering. And I said, yeah, that, that's perfectly fine. I said, yeah. I said, I'm making about four grand a week on it. But I said, I can't understand what the problem is. <laughs> and he asked me, when was the last time that I'd done a transaction? And I said, only about 10, 15 minutes ago. And that, um, he asked me, what was the amount for? And I just, my son was playing the PlayStation and there was something on it. It was 7896, so 7,896 euros. <laughs> and then he said, yeah. So and then he said, "Oh my God, you're my inspiration." <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, "But how do your wife and kids feel about it?" And I said, um, "Oh no," I said, "No, I'm not married." I said, I, "I'm gay," and <laughs> and uh, then he started going on about me being gay, and not being a real man, and everything. Mm, and I you didn't do it. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you sent yeah. us you sent us video of this actually. Yeah, yeah. And but then at the end of it, I said, "Look, I said I have to go because my Tinder date is just arriving." And then he just replied, "Thank you." <laughs> and and there's it. there's no point in reporting the number to the guards because it's a Not generated fact, number. Sure. Yeah, it's it's just a random Google number generator. That's and you, it you've is. no idea whether this fellow was in Cork or 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 the Congo. You oh, really don't know, like. No, but I get it. I got another call where they asked me to transfer money through Revolut. Um, but I'd say they're in India because he asked me to transfer it through Indian rupees or something or Indian rupees. Rupees, there's a, yeah, yeah. Cur- yeah, there's a, there's a currency converter on Revolut that you press Indian. And yeah, so, uh, but look, I keep these guys on the phone as long as I can because, you know, if they're doing it to me, I know it's a scam. So they're not doing it to someone else. It's true. It's true. You know, yeah. and that's the only reason I do it. Good, so, good, but then, good day's work, yeah, Stephen, yeah. to be fair. Good day's work yeah. because I've had those texts three or four times in a week, do you know? And I said, um, I said, I answered one back and I said, oh, is, is that you, Johnny? Yeah, Dad, yeah. that's me. And I just goes, F off. I don't even have a son called Johnny and left it at that, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, even as I was saying to my missus, I said, it would be really interesting to see um, if that bank account number was real and like, yeah. was there any more money paid into it? Yeah, that. Yeah, because you I'm know? looking at it and I, I, we won't, you, you, you sent us the name. Um, it's a very, yeah. a very common name. Eric is the first name. We won't give it a second name just in case to, it would yeah. be someone's real name who's listening. And it's uh, an IE, the BOFI, and a, it's a very credible looking Look, an IBAN, you know, you could be caught. Yeah, exactly. You could be, and and yeah. people get caught, uh, as we've heard, Stephen. People get caught because they're yeah. busy, they're running around, they're worried about their kids. Particularly if they might, they might have, a, they might have a, a, a young lad or a young daughter, say in in Dublin or Galway for college or something, or overseas, you know. Yeah, and it's not a small amount of money they were no, looking for. No, three grand. They were looking for over three, three thousand euros. <laughs> three grand yeah, and thirteen so. cent at the end of it, like. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, if it was an even number, you would be kind of questioning it. But because, you know, the point one three are the odd numbers, you would just go, oh, sure. You know, what was he doing on the phone? Like, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> All but right. No, I just put it up. I didn't expect it to get the reaction. It's got to be honest. Well, to be fair, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone ever has ever gotten through to talk to them before that I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, Stephen. Thanks a lot. Stephen Carney. Um Scam baiter supreme. Uh, he put it all up on the Balavalan notice board. I think we may have shared some of the screenshots on our socials. Not sure if we did, but the the, the phone call again. Just I I, I love this. I, I love this here. I laundered was just over seven thousand eight hundred and ninety six euros. All right. To whom? Uh, that's that's confident. That's confidential. <laughs> 
but I'm making a lot of money doing it. You're a very good boy. I like it. Yeah, thanks very much. You're my motivation now. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so how are you doing these days? I hope you've been good. Yeah. No, no, I like I, I, I like all I like all these scam calls, you know. So sometimes I just agree with them for the sake of agreeing with them. <laughs> Good man, Stephen, you are our hero for today. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Just coming back to that, and look, people hold their views about the book in the library. One book in particular, which we've talked about at length. I don't need to repeat the name, but everybody knows what it is. People have their very sincerely held views about that book and its suitability for children. You're entitled to have those views. You are absolutely entitled to feel that way. I had this discussion only a couple of weeks ago with someone I know very well who doesn't have children, but who has said, well, I wouldn't like my 14-year-old or 15-year-old son or daughter having access to that book. To which I said, that's okay. That's entirely a matter for you. Um, If you don't want your children to have access to that book. Well, don't buy it for them. And if they bring it home from the library, tell them take it back. But what you don't have is a right to prevent my children from having access to it if I think it's okay for them to have access to it. He saw the point. He did, to be fair. He saw the point. Another point that's being made about that book in particular is if you have a 12 or 13-year-old and you are you want the book taken out of the library because you don't want your 12 or 13 year old to see what's in it there's not a lot in it to be fair but you don't want your 12 or 13 year old to see what's in the book and you want it taken out of the library then you should probably take their phone off them too or their laptop or their iPad or whatever they have because they can get to see an awful lot more than what's in that book with a couple of taps of their screen Sandy is Sandy coming on oh great Sandy has been scamming the scammers as well see there's a few people out there who love giving this a go I I would love one of them to ring me back but for some strange reason they don't Sandy hiya hello hello Sandy you've you've caught a few of these have you oh it's great fun absolutely great fun well like the banks now like that guy I've done that now as well and they're not that impressed like that you've wasted their time um, you know, if you've you've actually wasted so much time, and they're they're constantly getting back to you. Yeah, you know they're hounding you and hounding you with text messages and things like that. In and you know you kind of leave them on the long finger, and then get back with maybe one message, and you leave them on the long finger, and then you can see the aggression kind of starts coming out. Yeah, but like it's great fun, you know. Say for me or like that guy, because we know they're scammers, and you know. We're doing to them what they're doing to obviously innocent people that don't understand are yeah. are being caught. D- describe you know, any particular conversation with that you might have had with them, Sandy. Let let people know what the kind uh, of conversation. Uh, oh, geez, um, there's been guys now. They're looking for a wealthy woman, you know, to marry, and you know, they they actually what they do is they pose themselves as maybe we'd say, um, we'd say maybe an orthopedic surgeon or a judge or in a very very high position. Mm-hmm. Um, to entice somebody to come in, you know, that they're wealthy. But look, you know, you can see straight off that it is scam. But mm-hmm. I mean, again, then there is some probably lonely woman out there or whoever. 
and that will fall for something like that. Yeah. But like again, um, they'll ask you where you're from, and obviously you're you're going to give completely different information to what your own information. And like I've been a multi-millionaire that owns um, resorts, you know, and Daddy has the helicopter and the private jet. Um, like there was one guy, he was a car dealer. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'll go to you like you want it, like five grand first. And then and my, the money kind of keeps going up what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So then I told them, yeah, no bother. I said, um, he was actually supposed to be from Holland, but working in Germany. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, brilliant. I said, I'll fly over in daddy's jet. <laughs> and, um, you know, I can meet you there. I'll reserve a hotel and you know, all this sort of thing. And I said, but I'll reserve the hotel, but you have to go in and pay for this hotel for me to stay in. Mm. And I will meet you at the hotel and, you know, we can meet up and have dinner. You know, the usual kind of plum off kind of thing. Playing them at their own and game. Exactly. And then when they realise that they're paying for the hotel, they don't want to do that. Oh, my finances are all caught up in my car business or, you know, things like that. Um, or you could have somebody now in um, building, yeah. you know, in the building like that. They're they're contracted into a different country to to build something, yeah. or you know, roads or whatever. Like, and it it would be more or less. It's always the same scenario that they're in a different country, so you can't. They they're making a trip that you can't go to them. But when you make it that you have the money and you are available to go to them it gets very complicated for them and they don't want to talk to you anymore. They have to think on their feet and they, and they and they can't, so they can get rude or just stop communicating with you or whatever. Exactly. Well, it's normally rudeness because uh-huh. you've wasted their time and they could have been using that time on somebody else. That would, Scam somebody you know. else. All right. Sandy, good day's work when you did it. Thank you for that call. 0818 96 96 96. Well done, Sandy. Uh, well done, Kevin. And anyone who has been caught and they're out there, and I know there's someone listening to me now who has been caught. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. They're very good at this. And Sandy caught them, and, you know, Stephen caught them. Thousands of people don't. And you were unlucky. 0818969696. I think I spoke to a woman a year or two ago who had actually been, been stung for rather a lot of money. She was desperately embarrassed about it. Which which is unfortunate. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. The big drive home with Izzy Showbizzy. On Cork's ninety six FM. Join me weekdays from four pm to hear more kids stealing their mom's phone for requests. Hi Izzy, this is Erin. <laughs> Even if you don't know my name yet, it's cool, I'm still new here. Hi, so Izzy Bosch. Hi, oh, Busy. Hi, Izzy, so Busy. And there'll be plenty more chances for you to win amazing prizes. We would love to win the tickets to the fire show, please. Join me weekdays from 4pm. The Big Drive Home. Clonakilty Food Company. Be prepared for any mealtime with Clonakilty's delicious sausages, rashes and puddings. Clonakilty, a family of great taste. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. There's a tweet going around last evening. Lovely, lovely idea from Hurley's Centra 
out in Bishopstone, which I have to say is an impressive place. A really impressive place. It doesn't look huge from the outside, but it's massive when you go in the front door. But they've come up with with this wonderful idea. Now, Kevin Hurley of the Corp Business Association and of Hurley Centre in the city, that's your brother's place, isn't it? They're, they're letting kids come in and call their parents. Morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Um, yeah, the, our store in Bishopstown, uh, it was actually our first store, which was opened by uh, my mum and dad back in nineteen eighty. Really? When um, yeah, when myself and Brain were in short pants, um, we had uh, two staff, and um, we had no staff on Sundays. It was all the fam- the six of us in the family, the six kids, used to help out uh, my mum and dad packing the shelves and serving the customers. It was real, real old school, and and Bishopstown back in the nineteen eighties was absolutely rammed with kids. Like to put it in perspective, when I was in Scullin's Spurt Nave, there was forty seven kids. In my class, you wouldn't hear that nowadays what? in 2023. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, we went to school just across the road from from the school from the shop, and yeah. um, you know, every day we helped out after school. So uh, the business grew from there. But uh, yeah, Brian oversees that store now. Um, and it's a real, real community store. The area is, is very much community orientated. And it was just a gesture really to, um, you know, kids and teenagers in the area that, you know, things happen. The, the, we, we're all seeing it now that the evenings are getting shorter, you know, and things happen. Kids lose phones, uh, phones go dead, etc. They're mm-hmm. waiting for lifts. So we just put it up really just as a gesture that if anybody, uh, if any, if anyone was in any kind of a distress like that, call into us. Um, and that, uh, you know, they could use our phone. And the same uh, goes uh, for all our other stores. Our, we've a store in Fermoy, we've a store in Mallow, and we've obviously got the three stores inside in the city centre. Yeah. So it's, even though it went up on our Bishopstown feed, um, it's the same thing for, for all our stores. Well, it's, you know? it's, it's a lovely idea. It is really is. No, I was just impressed. It's a while now since this happened, but I was out in that neck of the woods one afternoon running between jobs as you do be and hanging for a bite to eat. And I said I'd run in for a sandwich. It's like Croke Park inside it's a busy store pj um and we've just spent um a a, a big chunk of cash uh, over the summer re- retrofitting the store to upgrade all our refrigeration yeah. um to go with the times basically because our refrigeration there was old and, and with all the energy cr- costs and the energy crisis that's going on so we've reduced our, our energy bills massively out there and Fantastic. some beautiful new refrigeration and we have some fantastic uh, offering of fresh foods, deli, uh, butchers. You can pretty much get anything inside there. You can do your weekly shop. Yeah, I was, I was amazed, um, I was amazed at the size and, and, and the range that you had. Come here to me. Is that your deli? I have a picture. I was laughing at this. Fergal showed me this picture the other day. There's a deli with onions and, and coleslaw and tomatoes and eggs and crisps. Oh, yes. <laughs> You caught me on the hop there now, PJ. That is our Patrick Street store. Um, one of the managers in there had an idea that he wanted to do a crisp sandwich. And I'm I'm very democratic uh, owner. And I said, yeah, work away, no problem. So we're actually selling um, crisp baps inside there. And they're flying because... We've about uh, like we're kind of a, a, at the at the end of Patrick Street where where at the bottom of Patrick's Hill where it meets Patrick's Hill where obviously you've got Sculvera Christians, yeah. uh, Bruce College and all the other co- uh, schools up there St Angela's and uh, the kids have been uh, all coming in. By I hope of, it's Tato's you're using. Like I hope it's Tato's uh, you're using. 
Oh, jeepers, absolutely. I wouldn't be touching those walkers. God. No, 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 no. Tato's all the way. Good man. And come here, while I, while I have you, the video... Uh, you were inside, it used to be Debenhams, and then before that it was Roach's stores, and it's been cleaned out now for something new. That beautiful staircase is still there, for goodness sake, since I worked in Roach's stores. Do we have any idea what's going to go into that building now, Kevin? We do, PJ. Um, Elvery Sports are opening up at the front part of um, the old Rocha Stores building. Um, I, th- I would imagine it's as, as far back as around that stair the escalator there mm. and um, I was in there yesterday um, because their side entrance meets our side entrance so I just had to have a, a quick meeting with the foreman in there yesterday a guy called Chris who's a very nice guy by the way mm. and uh, he was just telling me I actually thought it might be open before Christmas but he said no it's actually going to be open in the springtime so <laughs> I took a quick sneaky video probably yeah. uh, breaking all GDPRs and whatever and I hope that Mr. Elvery isn't too upset you know what? with me it was but, great, uh, great memories as someone who worked in Roche's stores too many years ago to be talking about it was lovely to see the staircase still there oh it was it was fantastic and I, yeah last night it was a bit mad on twitter because um i have a story that when i was uh, a three-year-old in there with my mother i uh shoplifted a spool of thread you and didn't. stuck it into her bag and you she bum, found you it bum, it bum, you. Be a strict catholic <laughs> and she found it she found it in her bag that evening and made me bring it back in at three years of age so uh yeah good man <laughs> kevin is it's great for Cork City. I mean, yeah. like Patrick Street is is really taking off. You know, you've got Mango opening up across the street. You've Flannels that has that has opened. Easton's have reopened up at the old Victoria yeah. Hotel. Um, you know, it's really onwards and upwards. The yeah. uh, the vacancy rate on Patrick Street was over sixteen percent. I think when Elvery's opens, it'll probably be down around seven percent. Yeah. So you know, the fruit the future is bright for. Yeah. Cork do you think twenty twenty four? Last time we were we're running out of time. But do you think and you're put on your business association hat? Do you think that the that 2024 will will bring changes in Patrick Street they've been waiting for for a long time you think? I think so yeah and it's already happened like with those stores that have already opened yeah. um, you know and as I said Mango and, Elvery, and Elvery's are going to do massive uh, things for that end of the street so I'd encourage everybody to get into Cork City Centre there's nothing like it the atmosphere the ambience it's just beautiful and you know I'm not putting down the shopping centres in Cork but they are in my opinion they're a little bit soulless so if you really want yeah. that buzz get into the city centre well you know what now it's, it's, it's 87 days to Christmas which is 86 shopping days so hopefully hopefully people will get into the city centre at some stage between now and the festive season in fact several times between now and the festive season thanks Kevin join the conversation this is the opinion line with hidden hearing changing lives with the latest hearing health technology they're all ears visit hiddenhearing.ie Cox 96 FM the minds are live Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, we've had uh, Sandy and Stephen were telling us about scamming the scammers in the last hour and it's great to hear of people who've done this over the and <laughs> Frank you got a call someone telling you there was a problem with your windows I presume they meant your computer morning oh, the, morning PJ yeah yeah this, this must be even maybe two years ago I'd say right so I got a call anyway there is a problem with your windows and uh, 
so I kept him on the line anyway, and we were talking, and he was explaining what he'd have to do to fix it for me at mm-hmm. a very cheap price. What did he and want you to do? Oh, he wanted me to give him access, download as a team viewer at a time or something like that, so he could have remote access for my computer and all that. Like, <laughs> So I was telling him, yeah, tell me what to do, because no, I don't know, because I robbed this computer the other day. Like, And, <laughs> you know, he kept it up, and I was pretending I was doing what he was saying, and I said, I was a good half an hour anyway. And in the end, I said to him, oh, hang on a second. I said, I just remembered. I'm living in the city council house. Since there's, it's up to them to start out my windows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they are getting more sophisticated up. Yeah. He was giving you instructions of what to do, oh, assuming yeah. that you had a computer in front of you. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I think at the time, they were catching a lot of people. What they were able to do was to get into your computer That's right. then, That's right. where they could take all your, all your details. It was in the very early days of things like you um, said, no team viewer or any desk or anything. I mean, we so, we use we use a secure form of software here to like remotely access from home and upload stuff from home. So we've all the but in the very early days of those, like anyone could get into any computer. Sure, I mean it was like in the early days of the mobile phone, the O eight eight. Like any, right. anybody with a, a transistor radio at home could probably listen to a conversation. <laughs> I know it's like Frank. I don't mind telling you, boy. I had one of them little gadgets at night. Oh, yeah. I used to lie in my bed oh, listening we had to people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, well, you had it for work purposes to find out where the crimes were happening. Shh! Will you stop? You know what I mean. I don't know. Now you have all your informants now. We, like. Well, we heard we heard about the crimes, but you wouldn't mind what else we heard as well. Like fellas, oh, oh. fellas making phone calls. They shouldn't be making phone calls oh, to I, women. I, I, they shouldn't be making phone calls too. I'd say that it was blackmail. It was rife in that in that day? Like you know. By the way, PJ, I just heard on the news today. It's National Compliment Day. Is it? It is. It is just announced on the news. Frank, you're a decent skin. Thank you for reading. Well, listen, I'll have to leave it. We're confident. You have a face for radio. Frank, thank you. Good luck. Have a nice weekend. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, met a very interesting man. Met a lovely man, actually, uh, during the week uh, called Declan. He, he is living in Simon Community Services at the moment. Uh, and uh, I'll let you hear from him in a couple of minutes. There's a few things that happened. I mentioned David McCallum. Um, he was on um, NCIS Many seasons of NCIS. That's that's where people would have known him from. Scotsman. He died at the age of ninety. He died, God, only a few days after his ninetieth birthday. And he was he was on NCIS for quite a number of seasons. He was also part of the Man from Uncle back in the day. But he was also uh, played the lead in one of my favourite television shows of all time. And I was thinking, no one else has ever heard of this flipping television show. And yet, Lorraine. Good morning to Lorraine. She put up. A fantastic thing. Uh, rest in peace, the Invisible Man. And a picture. Now, Lorraine, you know what I'm going to ask. A picture from the front of a box set of the DVDs of the Invisible Man starring David McCallum. What I wouldn't give to get my hands on that box set of the DVDs of the original Invisible Man. Oh, where would I get a copy of that? They might be in CX. I mean, I remember picking stuff up in CX before that I thought I'd ever get. David McCallum, The Invisible Man, on DVD, the complete... My goodness me, I'd love to get that. I'd love to get that. 0818 96 96 96. There's a question, actually. Um, 
television shows of old talking there now with the man from Uncle um, that David McCallum was in is there a television show from your youth or your childhood or any other distant memory of yours that you have looked for forever and never been able to get or that you have managed to get on DVD or on video or on whatever format you got I picked up Murder One was one of the best detective shows ever it was only two two series of it the first series was great the second series not so great but I remember picking it up two Christmases ago I was wandering around town on the 22nd or 23rd of December and just just poking around doing a few bits and pieces and I went into CX on Washington Street or on the Grand Parade there and I'm looking around bumbling around looking for something and I know it was, the young fellow was looking for loads of different action movies for Christmas I think I got him a Rambo box set or something in there but um what did I come across? Only the original Murder One for twelve euro. Wow! There's any like that any old season of your. I remember. Do you remember Melrose Place? And my missus was only saying the other night how fantastic Dynasty was. Is there any? Te- did you ever? Did you ever, ever walk into one of these shops? And there, there's a television show that she used to love. There was another one I loved as well. Gemini Man. Gemini Man was like the Invisible Man. He had a digital watch. And when he pressed the button on his digital watch, he used to disappear. <laughs> I know. And and he could only disappear for about a quarter of an hour in the day because if he went out, ran out of his time, he'd never reappear again. Do you remember that? Any of those old television shows, did you ever manage to pick one of them up on a box set? Blake Seven's another one I'd love to get. Blake Seven. Yeah. But, oh, listen, Lorraine, if you have that, and you'd lend it to me even... The box set of The Invisible Man. 0818 96 96 96. Sorry for going off on that total different tangent, but, but there you go. Cork Simon have reported a huge increase in demand for their services. Their latest report is out. Uh, and during 2022, nearly 1,400 people were supported by Cork Simon across all of its services. That's up a third on 2021 the emergency shelter and the nightlight supported 530 people 64 per night that was up on an average of 39 per night that was nearly double 39 per night on 2021 there was a 50% rise in the numbers sleeping rough that's that's very very worrying but in the middle of all of that come success stories and one of them is Declan. Now Declan became homeless when he was in his early 40s due to a combination of things. He has just turned 50 and he is living in Simon's services and hoping, you know, in the fullness of time he'll go on to have his own place. And uh, thanks to my old buddy Paul Sheehan from Simon, I met Declan during the week and we sat down to talk about life and talk about his experience on the streets and dealing with homelessness and, and how it affects you. We had a good old chat. We had a bit of a laugh, actually. But he started by telling me that he was working for years and years, working since he was, since he was just a teenager. I was working. I was happy. I was doing very, very well. I changed jobs at 20-odd. I was offered a better job. And from 15 to the age of 
around 40-ish, I was always working, never unemployed. Mm. And then when I turned 40, I was diagnosed with Crohn's. Um, I spent a lot of time at the Mercy Hospital. But to stop working, I spent 12 weeks being fed by a tube. I lost half my body weight. And since then I'm back and forth, back and forth hospital. Then I had a mar- marriage breakdown and I became homeless at about 45. I did know nothing about being homeless. I knew nothing about the APS, knew nothing about Cork Simon, knew nothing about Victoria Road, knew nothing about St Vincent's and mm. I was just, it was like a learning curve. You were like a lot of people back then, just going along. Everything was fine until it wasn't. You got sick. You had to give up work, and then relationship suffered, as these things happen. And then you found yourself... Tell me about the first night you ever spent rough. The first night I spent rough, I was outside um, Cork Simon, and I was tuned up to the internet light. Unfortunately, I didn't get in because there was such a demand to get into the night light. They could only accommodate about 14 to 16 people, and there was probably 35 to 40 or so side. And was this your first night on the streets? Huh? Yeah, it would have been my first night on the yeah. streets. Um, and basically, so I was asleep by the side of the client hotel in the doorway and my bag and my pillow. And uh, it, these couple of guys came along and whipped my bag, kicked me, punched me and took off. At that stage, I was diagnosed with vertigo. So I was walking for them. So I don't know where we have to chase them. No. And so your very first night out in the streets, you were beaten up and robbed? Beaten up and robbed, yeah. Wow. And um, it was, ah, look, I wasn't that heavy, Mark, and thank God I wasn't no, slashed. you were beaten up and robbed, that's enough, like. Yeah, a few bruises here and there, but you over at that even time. But it was just like, wow, wake up call, like, what in God's name, like. And, yeah. and, and like, you work in security, I mean, as, as a younger fella, you'd have been able to handle yourself, but, you know. But, like, when the vertigo came yeah. in, like, yeah. I had no balance, um, you know, like, I couldn't put my head left or right, roof keeling over. So the next morning, if I played to sign me, they gave me a shower, gave me a change of clothes, make sure I was fed. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. Sorry, Nicola, who pointed you to Simon in the first place? Or did you, like, just like the rest of us court people, did you just know I was there? No, I didn't. No? I, I, I met a few guys inside uh, Bishop Lucy Park, and they were homeless, and they'd never known, and first time I ever meeting them. And they said, Look, we'll bring you down there, we sure is. And they were showing me where to go, they were showing me about penny dinners. I knew none of this. Mm. I knew none. It was all new to me. And, um, yeah, and then like they were like starting with safe, safe. You're like the lads were like. You know? how, how did it feel at forty something years of age to be like that for the first time in your life, dependent on other people and and, and out in the dark and out in the cold? And how did that feel? I just started like I didn't know what to do. I was just totally not confused. Like it was like, it was like a rabbit caught in headlights. And it, then when I met the lads in Lucy Park, and like they they looked after me. I met um, I met this guy then. Um, uh, his name was Darren, and like he took me under his wing because he was homeless, yeah. and like he was like my bodyguard all the world, like and like he made sure that I got into the nightlife. From there, then I got up into Vincent's, and from there, then I was in a B and B, and then um, I was in an office with the work to go, and fair play to Kevin and Simon, even though they couldn't give me a room because they were totally booked out, totally full. I was in the TV room on chairs and um, he applied to get me up to the Vic Road and up in the Vic Road, like, talk about being spoiled. 
Yeah. Oh my God! Oh my God. Is that where you are now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's like, I'll talk about that in a minute. You said, I think I read, was it Owen's piece in the examiner? You don't sleep. No, you don't. You close your eyes and you try to rest. You, do, you don't sleep. Like, especially when you have to get attacked, you can't yeah, sleep. Like, yeah, you're yeah. thinking, like, where's the next? Like, where's the next? Like, there was one time we were sleeping in the church. And um, I'm a Catholic, I'd sleep in a Protestant church, that's gas. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was sleeping in a church and it was like absolutely lashing out of heavens. And I was awake, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't sleep. And then. Um, around maybe 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock I was drowned and I was saying oh I have to sleep I have to sleep and I started dozing off and next one people start passing me it was a tour guide of all foreigners and staring at me saying like what's your man doing under the hitch <laughs> they're lashing my head oh, you're laughing now but it must have felt awful then oh, I felt awful like awful so I went back down to swim and I got a, a change of clothes they gave me a shower and then um, I said it, then I hooked up with Kevin in Simon and from there I got up to Vic Road and I'm so lucky to go up to Vic Road. Now that's a facility I didn't know about. What What is it? It's a high support unit. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the time basically I couldn't walk so basically it had to get me uh, a ground floor and with um, walking aids on the walls and stuff like that, railings, handrails and that became available but to be fair there was a route I think roughly around 1,500 people trying to get into this room, like, mm. and Kevin put me in and, look, touch what I was saying to myself, I might get it, and then I did get it, like, and they even, like, at the time, they even paid for the taxi to get me from, wow. to get me from the TV room in Simon, and, like, up to the Vic Road, and when I was in the TV room in Simon, like, it was unbelievable, because the cleaners would come in, and like, or at night time stuff, and they said, Dick, you're hungry. I was like, nah, not really, because I was a bit embarrassed. And like, they said, Do you want out? There's a spare dinner there. And they wouldn't be, but they'd make me one. Ah, and they did me ice cream, come on, you're on your way. Do you know what Crohn's, there's not, it's not everything you can eat either, is it? No, I, like, when I, when I got to Crohn's, all I could eat was um, boiled chicken and fish. That was right. it. Yeah. Uh, I, if I, I wasn't even allowed a cream cracker. Yeah. Um, no nuts, uh, only fruit I can eat is a banana. Mm-hmm. I, can eat, I can't even eat grapes because my stomach can't break down the skin on a grape. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, look, thankfully the Murphy staff, between the medical team, the pain team and the surgery team, they got me back again. Uh, nutritionists and stuff like that. Uh, now I can sort of, just I, I can eat a lot, but if we be a bit careful. I know. You be I know. careful. I know. Yeah. So you're in this unit and Everything is catered for, like your medical needs, your whatever. Like, when can I ask it? Are you, are you a drinker? Like, were you a drinker? I, I, you, do you know what? When I came homeless, I did drink, right? And like, I sort of drank to sort of numb the pain. Yeah. Do you know? And like, uh, yeah. And then I went, um, I hooked up with Richard Door. He's a addiction counsellor, fantastic man, a very, very brainy man. And he guided me in the right road. And like, you no, know, I eat more sweets. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think I spent more money on sweets now and uh-huh. stuff yeah. like that. But it, like, yeah, when you're drinking too, you, you've got no money and you're struggling week in, week out. But mm. then when you're off it, like, you know, you're thinking, yeah, I'd go and buy a top this week. Mm. You know, I can buy you a pair of runners if I say yeah. this week and that week, and yeah. that's what I've done. Like. Yeah, and, and like for people who would donate to Simon or be asked to donate to Simon, like the facility you're in, tell people what it is they're paying for, what they're donating for, for where you are. Like, where I am is unbelievable, like, um, there's breakfast there, there's um, dinners made, uh, lunch made, we've got two fridges 
fully stocked with rations, sausages, eggs, pudding, ham, cheese, corned beef, mm. you name the there. And then we got another fridge stocked as well. And on top of that, we got a freezer full of pizzas, fish, chips, anything, everything really, all frozen and stuff like that. So you never need to worry about money for food, it's all there? No, like, since I, like when I went there, I was probably down to about nine stone. Right. I know I'm there only since like a couple of months, and now I'm back up to 11 and a half stone. Good man. And that's thanks to Karen and all the girls cooking cakes and Gavin cooking and yeah. Marie, like, I, there's, like, I can't remember the day, no matter for the rest of my life, but, like, Karen and her staff are unbelievable, man. They're like superheroes. And a place to sleep that's safe and warm, having been on the street, you can't put a value on that, can you? No, you can't. And, like, you know, it was funny you asked that page, right, because it was cold at night and um, it was my first time in about 14 months, putting on a ride. You <laughs> had a red to put on? A ride and the heat, like, I was like, wow, this is strange. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is unbelievable, a ride, like, and yeah. I'm going to toilet, I'm going to shower, uh, yeah, and, like, can go to make up tea and have a want, yeah. have a sandwich. Make Simple them. things we all take for granted. Yeah, and, like, yeah. they do classes there, we do the horticultural classes, cooking classes, they do music classes, and, yeah, mm. and it, it's nice because we're fed five days a week and do two days, which is Wednesday and Friday, we cook for ourselves, which uh-huh. is a learning curve for yeah. when you move on to your own place, you're able to cook a dinner. I'm going to get to that. The, the plan is obviously for you that you'd move out of here eventually and go to your own place and whatever. But how's the health with you now? Are you able to work? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm applying there for work all the time. I made a couple of interviews there. And, um, yeah, and just keep an eye for work. I go back working part-time. Mm. And, um, yeah, and, you know, hopefully get me on place and steady the ship completely, like. Yeah. It's nearly steady now, but there's a bit of work to be done. Good man. And when you think back maybe, what, two years ago to now, or three years ago to now, were you, were you suicidal at one point? I was, yes. Oh, I'm, yeah, you've you no idea of a play. No, you I don't know. think I have, and I don't yeah. think I want to either. When, when you're bed up, you're robbed, you haven't got an ounce of food, slashing rain, and you're soaking wet, you don't have dry clothes, yeah. you've no phone, you can't want to help, and you don't, you've nowhere to go at all. You're sitting in the doorway. It's like, what well, are you going to think about, to be fair? Yeah, well, and what stops you? My kids. Mm. My kids, uh, I couldn't do it with my kids. And, like, especially, like, Darren and also for the call Adrian. Like, look, the two of them. These are guys from the street that you met, yeah. Darren was on the street and looked for a place to make his own place and he's working. He's an absolute marvellous man. Yeah. He was, he's the best brother I ever had, but he's not my brother. I know, yeah. And there's another chap called, I must mention this, Adrian, and he's got my back 24 yeah. 7. He he used to drive 30 miles to come in and see me. Really? Yes, and uh, he's a starbar. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you look at the two of them, and they, they started the ball rolling, and then Simon started the ball rolling more. And Vic Road, the ball was huge, and yeah, there's yeah. no stopping me. I, I see excitement in your eyes. Yeah. That wasn't there 12 months ago? No, it wasn't. There was heartbreak, horror, depression of yeah. where do I go now? Like, and like, it's, it's funny, PJ, someday you say, right, that door last night was nice and warm, and then you go to the door, and someone else is there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, sorry, that's my door. Can't, you can't, know, you go and find another door. And those conversations happen. Oh yeah, and you said I can move in there, move in like, and yeah. I asked, look, don't you go to homes, right? I must say, right? Every person 
think someone's homeless, they have a drink problem or a mm. drug problem. And that's the biggest mistake that people judge on. I know a load of homeless people, uh, like myself, that marriage broke down or relations broke down or love ones they've lost. And it, it, they just suffer from depression. They're not junkies, they're not alcoholics, they just fell yeah. in the wrong place at the wrong time and with mental health issues. And like, sure, our hospitals are full. It takes six months to get an appointment to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. And then you see it get an appointment every six months, right, come back to me in three months' time. It's like not something for nine months, three months, it's right. like. That's right. No? It's funny, you know, we're sitting here with, with Paul Sheehan and Paul and I worked in the radio business, God, too many years ago now. And I remember when Paul got this job in Simon and he sent me over the years, the people that you meet and that you see in the doorway, wherever, every single one of them has a story. Yeah, but, like, I knew this guy, I won't mention his name, and, like, he was really struggling, really, really struggling, and he he actually jumped in the river three times in one day. Good Lord. And I used to meet him uh, in a park bench, and we'd chat away and have a couple of cigarettes, and we'd go for a walk, and they went down one day to the bench. He went there. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. This is, you said you're applying for jobs at the moment, so you go back into the interview scenario or the, you know, the interview scene. Here's the question that they ask you uh, at interviews. Looking at me strange now. Where would you see yourself in five years' time? Or where would you like to see yourself in five years' time compared to five years ago when all this started? Five years' time, I'm going to have a villain in Lanzarote. Well, you know what? I'll call boy for a coffee. Declan, it's been a pleasure to meet you, man. See you, fella. Thank you very, very much. Ah, oh, what a lovely bloke. What a lovely guy. We had a great laugh recording that interview the other day. Thanks to Paul for setting it up. And you know what? Um, he's the kind of fellow who just might scrape together that villa in Lanzarote. Thank you so much, Declan. And my best wishes to you uh, for everything going right for you. All right. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. All right. Are the guards going to go on strike? Well, they can't go on strike, but are they going to walk off the job or refuse to go in and do the job sometime in November? That's next. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing. Focus solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox ninety six. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, Mick says, listening to Declan, uh, I'm thinking there for the grace of God, go I. Go any of us, Mick. All the problems I have are nothing when you hear his story. God bless him. What a lovely man. He is. Lovely, lovely fella. Great to meet him during the week. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Drew Flu, they're calling it. Blue Flu was the first time ever guards walked off the job in, in any numbers. It's, it's a few years ago now. If you don't remember it, just Google it and it'll all come up for you. But we're in a real crisis now with the Gardaí because there's a distinct possibility that those of them who were rostered for a specific date in November, the 10th of November, will just all phone in sick at one time or just not turn in for work on that day. Such is the crisis between the Garda Representative Association and the Commissioner, Drew Harris. Um, already there's a threat to overtime for starting next Tuesday, the 3rd of October, and right up and including Budget Day and Halloween. It's a crisis. It really is a crisis situation, and it's over a roster. Now, Michael Corcoran is a former Garda and indeed a former member of the GAA National Executive. Michael, this is as close as it's ever come in my time, I think, to a Garda strike. Garda are not allowed to strike, but this is as close as it's coming. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, it looks... It looks fairly uh, ominous at this stage. Um, there doesn't appear to be any traction between the two parties. And uh, the GRA have said that they're going to to, um, to go out on strike, basically. And mm. uh, I don't see anything coming from the other side to try and stop it. So Now, by law, Gardaí are not allowed to strike. That was the case anyway. And the GRA is not a union. But individual members can act in their own way, can't they? Yes, they can. And um, if they withdraw their labour, then I don't think there's a whole lot that any government can do about it mm-hmm. if they do it en masse like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And would, it would mean, and because of the way that Garda rosters are planned, and correct me again if I'm wrong here, Michael, everybody who's working on the 10th of November knows now that he or she is working on the 10th of November. So they can simply decide, as a body of men and women, to not work that day if, if it comes to it. Why is it, why have we come to this, Michael? It's a row over rosters, but it seems to be more. Um, well, we come to this, I think, you know, uh, numbers is a huge thing. And burden of, of, uh, of work is another thing. And if you combine a lack of numbers with a, a, an increased burden of work and increased um, oversight, and everything else that comes with it, you are going. You are bound to get this crisis, and you know you can't expect people to to take on extra um, work and 
reduce their numbers at the same time. It's just not, it's not possible and it's not fair. Now, since COVID, guards work four 12-hour shifts and then they have four days off. The commissioner has ordered them that from the 6th of November they will work, is it six, eight to ten-hour shifts in a row and then four days off? Now, I'm sorry, Mick, but and I know it was there before, but six, eight-hour days on the spin, should that break anyone if you were doing it every week? Well, it's actually six ten-hour days, PJ, um, and one 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 Sunday um, on on eight hours. If you work a Sunday, it was eight hours. If 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 they're reintroducing that roster, now that roster was introduced back in 2012 when the country was in a downturn and there was a there was a, an embargo on recruitment within, within the guards. And what they did was they had four units and they. Uh, made five units out of the four units. So there was a, Explain a, what a, units are now. I know you've done this with me before, but for people who wouldn't remember, what exactly is a unit? That's the policing of a of a we say of a of a station or over twenty four hours, correct? Yes. It's um you have uh you've 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 a group we'll say maybe of twenty or twenty five, whatever whatever the case may be, and uh, they work a particular we say eight, ten hour shift, twelve hour shift at the moment. And somebody else comes on, another unit then with a similar number comes on and takes over from them. The unit works a, a particular shift, if you want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but So those units were originally, there was four units there prior to 2012. They split up four units um, into five. And uh, the result was that you had less numbers on each unit. Yeah. So... You know, and at the same time, there was an embargo on recruitment. So you had a problem with, with uh, decreasing numbers as well as the fact that the, each of the, uh, the units was, was depleted in any case by, okay. by the, the, the division. Yeah. You also have the problem, don't you, Michael, that like for me to be asked, for example, to regularly work six, eight to ten hour days on the bounce, that's a breach of the Working Time Act. But guards aren't subject to the Working Time Act, correct? Uh, no, because there's a, there's a working time agreement. There's a, a, an agreement within, uh, within that, that roster which, um, which has been signed up to by the, by the various associations and it allows for that. There's a derogation in there that can be allowed within the, the Working Time Act um, for certain um, okay. emergency services. Okay. And stuff like okay. that, you know? So at the moment they're working four by 12 and then four days off. They do not want and have said they won't go back to doing six by ten and then four days off. What do they want? I know you're gone from the GRA a while now, Michael, but, but what do they want? I think they want the four, the four 12-hour days um, because um, back at the time that they were introducing that, that uh, five-unit roster, we did a straw poll and uh, the majority of people wanted, um, they wanted the 12-hour days because they figured that it would then, when they were off, they had more time with their families. And, you know, it was, it was a bit less antisocial than what we had previously been working. But there was never, that was never given by previous management to, to, to uh, members for, for, for a vote. And um, as a result, uh, we never got around to that. And then when the COVID came in, it was necessary to introduce it because of the... 
because there was an, an awful okay. lot of members who were actually going sick with COVID and, uh, and uh, it was necessary to introduce and it was introduced and people found it was, it was a good system. And for it's them. working for them now. Any, any guard yeah. that I've spoken to, you know, privately, they say, yeah, it's a, it's a good system. Now, there's a term that will come into common parlance from next Tuesday, 3rd of October, mm-hmm. unless something happens over the weekend. That is voluntary overtime. What is voluntary overtime, Michael? Voluntary overtime is where you have, um, would say there's, a, there's an operation on or something like that, or there's a, maybe a, a public order situation that uh, that the, the authorities want um, extra members to come in and and, and operate, and uh, it's, it's offered up, and people can, can decide whether they want to work it or not. There's, there's involuntary overtime where you're stuck in the middle of something and you just can't walk away from yeah. say, a traffic accident or something like that, you know, or where, where there was somebody murdered or... Of course, you know, of course. But yeah. this is voluntary overtime. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you have a decision to make whether you take it or not. Now, one of the days that this voluntary overtime could be withdrawn is, is budget day. Yeah. Um, and again, in your experience from being in the GRA, that's a day when they need the voluntary overtime. So fellas will go to the doll and police the doll. Yes, indeed. And, uh, you know, it is something that is absolutely, it's, it's, it's nearly written into the, to, uh, the, 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 year, the year's events, you know, for, for, for you know, it's, it's something that can be actually um, planned for. And uh, if you don't have the numbers that you're planning for, well, you know, it doesn't work. Mm. Now, could Drew, Hall- Drew Harris or anybody else say, actually now the 10th of October is going to be compulsory overtime? Is that possible? He could say it. He could right. say it, but um, it would be a fairly dangerous road to be going down, in my opinion. Um, it would it would exacerbate the situation as it stands, you know. Yeah, because which, I mean, is, which is fraught enough. Yes, as, indeed. As it is. Um, Having been on the executive of the GRA, tension with management is something you dealt with in your own career, Michael. Have you ever seen anything like this, where an entire body of men and women, ten and a half thousand of them, voted no confidence in Drew Harris last week? Um, no, no, I've never seen this where it went to a national poll. Uh, you'd always get rumblings, and if you if you walked around and asked people what they thought they would probably have expressed uh, similar sentiments about, you know, somebody else in the past. Uh, we won't go into that, but, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that, but no, never on a national scale like this, no, never. And they're dealing with a man who is digging his heels in and has government support, including the support of Minister McEntee. What do you think is going to happen? Well, you know, it's the old adage, you know, when... when uh, an unstoppable force comes up against an immovable object. What happens then? Uh, I think there's a there's a, a, a very big explosion waiting to happen, and uh, unless somebody pulls back from the brink, and I I believe that you know it's probably more in the in the interests of the government and uh, Drew Harris to to pull back from the brink at this stage. Um, so yeah, I think it's. Uh, Unless that happens, it's, there's danger for the public because, you know, if there's no police on the streets, you know, for, for this Drew flu, as you, you put it, mm. well, you know. And for people who might think, ah, that'll never happen, the guards would never refuse to work. Well, if you put a line in the sand or if you put, you know, um, a red line, 
if you don't step over the red line when it, it when it when you meet it, then you know your 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 credibility is gone. So I I, I think that the GRA um, by saying that they are going to take this action on a particular date, um, they have no option at this stage but to to uh, deliver on that for their members anyway because you know that's a it's fundamental yeah for, to their own existence at this stage. And lastly. Um, and we talked about this in your own time on the executive. The problem with people wanting to join the guards and the problem leaving at the other end. For every hundred people that join the guards, there's what, 30 or 40 leaving at the other end. That hasn't changed. If anything, it's gotten worse. Well, apparently, yeah, from what I'm hearing, it has gotten an awful lot worse. And, you know, somebody needs to look into that. They, 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 I suppose the powers that be, they look into ver- various things, but they never look into reasons why things like that are happening. Policing is a very important part of, of, of the social fabric of society. You have to have it. And if you don't have enough police there, or if there's something that is stopping people from joining and policing the country, then you have, you know, you, you, you have a serious social situation that could lead to social breakdown. It's, it's not a good thing to leave things like that in abeyance. You have to study what's wrong and you have to come up with solutions. All right. I'm going to leave it there with you. Michael, it's great to have the benefit of your expertise and your experience and no doubt we will uh, talk again. Thank you. That's Michael Corcoran, a former Garda, former member of the National Executive of the Garda Representative Association. We are in, if Michael Corcoran says we're on the brink of something serious, then we are on the brink of something serious. I remember my time covering the crime beat, as it were, around town and talking to guards and dealing with guards and Garda issues. Michael Corcoran was my go-to with regard to the GRA and what was going on within the GRA. And he's never, in many, many years, he's never given me a bum steer. So, if Michael Corcoran says we're on the brink of something very serious... We're on the brink of something very serious. There are those saying that it'll never be solved. I see a message here. It'll never be solved except by the removal of Drew Harris. That isn't going to happen unless he himself decides to go. And I don't think he has any intention of going. Uh, someone else here is saying the commissioner is attempting to reintroduce a roster that he never worked. And that's a great point. Drew Harris has never been a guard. He, he came from the police service of Northern Ireland where it's reportedly was a very, very good policeman, and I have no doubt about that. But he's never worked the roster that he's trying to get people to do now. He himself has never worked it. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. And Roosters. Corks 96 FM. There's a story, IE running it. There's a court case happening in Dublin as we speak. A very well-known GAA star. I'm sure we could all think of the name, but 
We're not allowed to say the name until it's been said in court, but a very well-known GAA star, a legend, we might say, is to appear in court. She'll be there about now, appearing in court, charged with 21 offences of deception. We'll watch that with interest. And thank you to Alan, uh, who reminds me or sends me a screenshot showing that I can get the Invisible Man DVD on Amazon. I may well have a look at that later. Thank you, Alan. And in terms of stuff, or talking about stuff that you would love to to have on DVD, uh, Diane says, I loved Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah. And got it on DVD from the library. I forgot the library. They've got pretty much everything, haven't they? 0818969696. It's this time of the week again. Hours to Protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we look at an alternative to the regular single use snappies. On average, your baby will use five nappies a day, 365 days a year for two and a half years. That adds up to almost 4,500 nappies going into landfill or to be incinerated. It's estimated that disposable nappies take almost 500 years to decompose and if incinerated, they release toxic chemicals into the atmosphere. Using even just one cloth nappy a day reduces that number by almost 1,000. Kate Doyle is the chairperson of the Cloth Nappy Library, Ireland. So the Cloth Nappy Library Ireland is a volunteer organisation with volunteers all around Ireland and we kind of promote and provide information to parents who are interested in trying cloth nappies um, and we also provide information sessions so we provide free online uh, virtual, we call them nappuccinos so you can kind of come and learn and ask questions and then we also provide um, a kind of a try before you buy a loan kit so we, we operate a nappy library um, and we have um, uh, nappy loan kits located all around Ireland, so you can book one online on the website or you can get one posted out to you. You can try them out for three or four weeks at home and then you can decide how the routine suits you and um, then kind of go, go off and buy your own, basically. So what are modern cloth nappies? Cloth nappies, um, depending on kind of your generation, you may remember them. Uh, you might remember your you know, younger brother or sister in them, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And they were previously, you know, they're not a new phenomenon. They existed long before disposables came along. Um, and they're basically an absorbent um, material with a waterproof cover on the outside. And you use it, then you pop it in the washing machine, and then you reuse it again. So it's a kind of a zero-waste nappy system. Um, and in, I suppose, 40 years, they have come a long way. So the modern cloth nappies that you would buy today are much easier to use and much easier to wash than the disposable than the modern than the nappies and um, that, you know, our grandparents would have used, for example. So um I suppose from a parenting perspective they would be a more environmentally friendly choice because they create zero waste. Um I suppose in Cork for example there would be forty nine million disposable nappies go into landfill every single year whereas you know families with cloth nappies would generate zero waste so that's um, one I suppose main, main aspect of why people opt for it and the other main aspect would be financial um, 
disposable nappies are obviously single use so you have to pay for them every single time whereas cloth nappies you kind of buy one set and you can reuse them then on your next child and your and another child if you have another baby after that so they can be financially they can work out um, significantly cheaper uh, you know they can be up to kind of 25 percent of the cost of disposables. A total of 134,480 single-use plastic nappies go to landfill every day within County Cork. On an annual basis, 49 million disposable single-use nappies, equating to 7,510 tonnes of plastic waste, is generated in Cork. These will take up to 500 years to break down due to the plastic components. There's 1.2 million disposable nappies go into landfill in Ireland, and that's every single day. And these can take up to 500 years to break down. We actually don't know how long they're going to take to break down because the first one was uh, invented in 1947, and it still exists today. Um, So all of the nappies that me and you would have worn are actually still out there in landfill somewhere today. So cloth would offer uh, a more earth-friendly choice. And so on, so on an annual basis, that's 460-odd million nappies going into landfill every single year. So we really do need to come up with um, an alternative and make it kind of more um, and, and create greater awareness around it so that people, you know, so that parents feel confident they can go and get the information they need and uh, decide how they can fit cloth nappies into their daily routine. And I suppose the biggest message is that it doesn't need to be all or nothing. You know, we've lots of parents who kind of combination nappies, so they will, you know, they'll use cloth nappies when they're at home. And if they're out and about, they might decide to use disposables. Or if they go on holidays, they'll use disposables. Um, you know, the biggest message is that, um, you know, one, one cloth nappy a day will, will, will take 365 out of disposable for that year, so um, every little helps. Cloth Nappy Library Ireland are hosting monthly virtual nappuccinos to allow families the opportunity to learn about cloth nappies from the comfort of their homes. One of our dedicated and experienced cloth... A dedicated and experienced cloth nappy volunteer will be showing different types of nappies, how to wash cloth nappies and lots of more tips and tricks. To learn more about cloth nappies, visit Cloth Nappy Library online or check the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Another Hours to Protect at the same time next Friday. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 0833 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Yeah, uh, someone says here, Jim, it says with regard to the Gardaí and all that, he says you have to wonder if the government actually wants some kind of crisis with the guards so they can explore putting the army or other forces on the streets. Well, I don't think there'd be any other forces, dear mid. But they can call in the army uh, if the guards aren't able to cover it or if the guards don't have the manpower. But the guy, the army must be called. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a talking point. It's a thought. Thank you, dear mid. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I asked you what William Harbutt did for you. You, you. I mean you, right there. You, yeah, you, and you, and you, and you, and you. You all 
played with something that William Harbutt brought into our lives. Because William Harbutt invented Mola. Yes, he did. Well, plasticine, as it was called. But sure, we all called it Mola. Or so posh, the posh, in the posh schools, they put an R in it and they call it Mola. But was flipping Mola. Joe Kerrigan, good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. You remember making Mala balls and Mala snakes as well as I do. Oh, God, I do. And little islands and little houses and little people and, and little dogs. animals. And dogs. Oh, heavens, dogs. It's difficult to get them to stand up, mind you. You have to make little round balls for their legs to make them stand. But, oh, it was creative. That was it, PJ. It was so creative. Mm. Your mind had full flow. And that's what I don't have now, I think. Yeah. That imagination. You were writing about this in, in the Echo. It it was a thing called, he called it plasticine. And it used to come in coloured strips. I remember it myself. You get it in Matthews or places like that. Uh, but it, it when we got it into our hands, it turned brown. It was awful. <laughs> it did, didn't it? Because it got, uh, it mixed. You started off with pink and orange and blue and all the nice colours. And then, you, of course, you mix them together. And then they just blended very effectively into a, a muddy sort of brown. And all I can remember from my childhood is the, the muddy brown black colour. Mm. And your mother always knew if you'd been playing with Marla on the kitchen table. <laughs> you can, Did you use it? You must have. I did. I did. We'd be, I'd be, we'd be lumps of it and you'd, you'd put it in the shoebox. Yeah, and did you ever find that on a cold day or a really cold evening, you had to warm it up to try and get it? Now oh, you did, you did, because if you tried to use it when it was cold, it would break into lumps and it wouldn't, it wouldn't roll into snakes and balls so easily. No, but it wouldn't, and so you had to warm it up to do it. It's hard work, but most of the time, if you were in the kitchen and if your house, like any self-respecting house, had arranged there, the place would have been warm anyway, and you would have been able to work. But you could spend hours inventing things with it and make... You made snakes, did you? Snakes and balls. And I used to make dogs. I used to make little dogs. Um, you'd put a small ball and a slightly bigger ball, which you'd make into a little sausage, four tiny legs and a little tail, and you'd shape the nose. And I had loads of little mauler dogs around the place. Oh, and did you keep them? And you kept them for... Not uh, at all. We squashed, them, we squashed them down and made cats out of them. Do you know, I was... <laughs> That was the wonderful thing about the creativity. And that's something I worry about because now most of the craft kits you can buy for kids, it's all done. They have a design, they have yeah. a pattern, and the kid makes exactly that and nothing else. That's for right. Instance, you made a dog, then you made a cat, squashed up, made a cat, then you might have made something else, a snake, then you might have made a smaller snake climbing up behind it. We, made, ca- we made houses in castles. You, you'd, you'd do yeah. a load of, a load of the, the long sausages... And you'd lay them on top of each other and you'd squash them down and then you'd try to make a little bit of a roof with them. And again, you'd squash that down and make more dogs. And you would. And it was creative. You did it. You were there. You had only your mind and your hands. And I do know people who've gone on to become sculptors and artists afterwards and creative people because of what they did then. You sat at the kitchen table, you had this lump of stuff and your mind was free to make whatever it wanted. That was the wonderful thing about it. It was lovely. You, you were talking to someone actually for yeah. the article. Jar was it, who did just that, That's who discovered their... Yeah, he's the, the emeritus uh, head of drama, as you see, he's retired now. But he started with uh, Marla, and he was making it at the kitchen table, and he made so many things, and he loved it. And when he got older and meant to put away the things of a child, he went to the School of Art, which mm-hmm. was then the Crawford, and he was went and moulded with clay and loved it and went yeah. into sculpture. And then he went into theatre design and working out things for theatre. So you start by knowing what your hands can do. 
mm-hmm. then you work on from that to turn it into something else. It's wonderful. Yeah, and if you learn to use your hands with Mala, you, I think a lot of people went on to do other things. Like, they did. They learned to use their hands, their fingers, their thumbs. Some people became good with cable and went on to be electricians. Some people yep. went and became mechanics. But so many people started. Like, I, I love like home electrics, hobby electrics, lighting projects. And a lot of that is very delicate and very small. But it was little, 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 little bits of Mala. And, and that, that taught me how to do all that. You want to think back. But come here. He invented, Mr. Harbutt invented plasticine in God almighty, I couldn't remember. 1897. Or who, who changed the name to Mala? Uh, no, that's interesting. That's this. I was talking to a couple of people, to Mary O'Leary and a couple of others who are better, the Irish is better than mine. And she said she thought the root was in Marl. But I know that in Devon and the south of England, Marl is um, clay, the kind of clay you use for making pottery. <sighs> and um, I'm wondering if there's a link between the two there, the Marl and the Marl. And marl is also a colour. It is um, a colour of, of dirty dark clay. Yeah, and there's also Mixed kind of a marl. You get a marl. Uh, you get a grey marl and a blue marl and a and a brown marl, which is a mixture of all the blues and uh, and, and that's yeah. A, yeah, that's a colour. So when you mix them all together, you got a kind of a brown marl. And of course, we took we <laughs> yeah. made we and of course in in we we made mala out of it, like we did, and we called it mala. But I myself. Even though I'll probably be hammered for it, I suspect it comes from the English word marl. Yeah. Somewhere along the line. I don't that's know if there's a word. It's all right. Like the, the English I can have one. Corrected. I stand to be corrected. It was no doubt that the thing was the most creative way a kid could use that's his fantastic. or her It was fantastic. And I, I don't think they called it mala or marla in England ever. It was plasticine. Plasticine. Plasticine, of course. Plasticine. Mind you, I tell you something, Joe. Here's the funny bit now. This could get me in trouble, but I don't care because it was something I used to. <laughs> we we had a teacher, Mrs. O'Neill, who mm. always called it called it plasticine, right? And she taught us how to use it. Never forget her to this day. She's she's dead now. Good rest her. But I, I remember if was it a friend of my mother's used to say, "Only Protestant call it plasticine. That's Marla." <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's a lovely dismissive way of putting it. What school was that at, PJ? I was well. That says I was impressed, but in 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 only Protestants call it plasticine. Everyone else calls it Marlach. <laughs> I love that. Guess I probably will get us both into trouble for that, but that's lovely. But it's also true. It's totally accurate. Do, 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 it's gone now. Can you get it even anymore? I'm not sure you can. I know there's something called clay, though, which is perfectly ethically excellent for kids and isn't dangerous and isn't nasty and is about as, as boring as a wet Friday and it's uh, and they have Play-Doh now because it's all remember there are all these rules of the EU you mustn't have the bright colours you mustn't have dangerous things you mustn't have something they might put into their mouth yeah. or hang themselves with so I think it's Play-Doh now. I don't think plasticine is available anymore and we, I wish it were I wish it was we, we, we used to put it up our noses and everything and into our ears and whatever and when you think of it too Mr. Harbutt back in 1897 one of the things they used to use it for there was someone wrote a book or a pamphlet, was it? They used to put it into a broken tooth. Oh, dear God. But yes, yes, I can see that you would. I mean, what else back then? The dentistry wasn't the greatest thing in the world back then at the change of the 19th, 20th century. And I imagine that you would just ram it in there. I know Richard, my husband, uses this as a, still uses bits of something that he calls Marla. Fer- Fer- Fergal is telling me here that you can actually get 
Marla, still. You, you can. can. Get, you can. I must go and look for it. I will go and look in one of the phone shops and see if they have it. Yeah. In the yeah. proper strips. You can use. You do electrics and electronics at home. Well, it's very handy for putting tiny things in to keep them in one place. Ain't that and the if truth? you have to see the repair shop on television, yeah. they use something very like Marla they to did. hold the tiny bits of clock springs and things until they need them. Fergal is a, a mind full of wonderful history too. He reckons that the Marla came from. It was a German brand name. For plasticine. Ah, well, that could be it because we'd use anything but the English word. Yeah. Word, bit like, okay bit like we call ho- vacuum cleaners hoovers. Yes, I know because it's an easier word to use. Yeah. And you can get, you can still get Play Doh. I had Play Doh for my kids when they were small. And I thought, Grand, now here's Mala 2.0. No, 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 no. Nothing like it. It is not the same. No. Do you, do you know, the only thing that was, you'll laugh at this now, the only thing I ever found that was anything like Mala, when you played with it for a while and softened it up, Blue Tack. Blue Tack, but Blue Tack goes hard awfully quickly. Have you ever stuck something on the wall of Blue Tack and then when it comes off, there's a hard lump on the wall that peels off the paint or the Which wall. After, with after it. the wall comes off with it. After the wall comes off with it. It's not as malleable. It is not as obedient and helpful. Mm. And that's what plastine was for young hands. Apart from the occasional cold day when you had to warm it in your hands, it was kind and obliging and became whatever you wanted it to be. That's right, that's right. And and the the packet said non-toxic, and I'm sure we tested it. There was enough of it swallowed and chewed and, <laughs> do you know? Uh, yeah, I think I know the taste of it, so I must have chewed it uh, or no, put it in my mouth. Yeah, it was the kind of taste that did nothing, but you wanted a taste, was it more? It was like, yeah. it was like biting into water. There was just something strange about it. Biting into water. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know you can get it? I'd love to know. And if there's anywhere, you know, craft shops. If you can get it anywhere, you might get it in vibes and scribes, maybe. I you could try vibes and scribes, but sometimes you'll find it in pawn shops. Yeah. If the Chinese are still making it and don't know that we've got rules against things like mall anymore, yeah. then I will try Vibes and Scribes, but I suspect they don't. I've got the more up-to-date modern ones. I love Vibes and Scribes. It's a great place. Yeah. You can get all kinds of crafts there. But the, uh, I think that mall would be only in the, the unapproved little shops. All right. Listen, great great catching up and a uh, lovely piece on, on uh, Mala. Mala balls and Mala snakes. Joe Kerrigan writing about it in uh, The Examiner. Or The Echo, rather. The Echo. Thank you, Joe. Did you have, I did, I know I did, I know you probably did, did you have Marla in school? Or Marla, the posh, the posh teachers would call it Marla, M-O-R-L-A, no, Marla, it was Marla. Marla balls and Marla snakes, you get the seven colours and you get it for Christmas. Remember coming down and you'd find, you'd find it in Christmas, in, in, the, in the stocking on Christmas morning, there'd be a packet of Marla, Santy would have left a packet of Marla. And it was all blue and green and purple. We used to mash it together until it was brown. Because Marla was brown. There was no such thing as yellow Marla or blue Marla or white Marla or pink. It was brown Marla. The greatest toy. Loved it. Loved it. And all the, it's so hard now to get the brand names because um, it's all out of patent now. Is any shop in Cork or anywhere in the county or anywhere up and down listening to us, is anyone selling or does anybody have Mala? Old-fashioned Mala. Invented by William Harbutt. And he called it plasticine. But as my mother's friend said long ago, sure only Protestants call it plasticine.
Virgin Media slash TV3. Yesterday, they celebrated their 25th birthday. I can't believe. They grow so Virgin fast, Media. don't they? They do. They grow oh, so fast. grown up and out there now in the world. 25 years of Virgin Media and uh, TV3. By the way, in 15 years' time, timestamp this now and put this in a vault. If they don't do a celebration and if they don't call it the 40-year-old Virgin, they are missing <laughs> a trick. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Cork 96 Quick mention, because I was there last night, busy evening for me, but I got in there to see it, uh, went to Ty Kiki's show at the Opera House, which goes under the wonderful title of the Marxist Terrorist Supporting Scumbag Tour. Uh, Ty does, uh, it's a great stand-up night, it's, it's, it's really funny, um, and uh, it, was, it was great, it was great. I was chatting to him early in the week about... Or zombie and other things like that. So I went along to the Opera House last night. Really enjoyed his night. If you get an opportunity to see it, or an opportunity to to read his book, it's very entertaining stuff. Ty Kiki, well done, sir. And who did I meet? Only too thrilled to meet my dear friend Don O'Leary from the Life Centre. Great to meet him. Haven't seen Don in a very long time. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now we covered this in detail when it happened a few weeks ago, and this was the changing of Chambers to Sinners for Freshers Week. And we were looking for a statement from Chambers. We got little bits and pieces, but never anything that sort of resembled a formal statement. And we followed it with the drag queens of Cork and we followed it with the queer people of Cork over a few days. Uh, They expressed their feelings about what had happened to to Chambers and in and in chambers. Um, there was a statement came out yesterday on an Instagram story. Now, if you know Instagram stories, that you see them and then they disappear. But we have a grab of it. It's from Margaret. Margaret Montgomery. She said, I want to apologise for the upset caused by our actions during Freshers' Week. My team in chambers always try to offer the best service and a safe space for all our customers, but I failed this time. I got it wrong. It was never my intention to alienate anybody. I realise I offended and upset many of our loyal and regular customers, and I'm very sorry. I should have handled this better. We're all aware of what happened, and I've learned from it, and I will take extra care in the future. As an additional apology, we're running a weekend-long promotion in Chambers for all of our customers. While I know it can't exactly make up for the hurt I caused... I hope it'll go some way towards making amends. Now, uh, that's went out on Instagram stories yesterday, which meant you read it and it vanishes, but we managed to grab it. And that's what was published by Margaret from Chambers yesterday. Kaylee. Yeah. Your, res- your response. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Uh, To be honest, I think the fact that it's a story in and of itself, whereby they know it disappears in 24 hours, um, isn't great. I think the, you know, the weekend long promotion is kind of missing the mark, considering they, you know, stopped supporting Cork Pride as of 2019. And, you know, um, over the last few weeks, I've heard multiple stories from across, you know, across the whole community um, regarding, you know, that they've always offered a safe space, which is just categorically untrue. You know, we've heard of 
people, customers in there who are almost acting like security inside the venue, whereby there's none really existing inside there. They're all outside. Yeah, there was there was security on the door who I think used to say if they didn't recognise the person coming, they'd say, you know this is a, a gay night, don't you? And, and, and that was about as much as, as it was, wasn't it? Yeah, like, I think it was, um, there was someone who mentioned that they're, you know, they had to act almost like security, because there was none in sight, mm. meaning you can't exactly have a safe space, just in general, if there's no security, because mm. anything can happen inside. So, to be honest, I feel like this action should have been taken weeks ago. Um, you know, it's a few weeks in, um, you know, there's already plans within the community to develop their own safe space. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's already been one or two very successful events, and I've I've seen video clips and and pictures oh, from inside. Absolutely. They've had some great nights, I've mad been nights, wild nights. <laughs> I've been there myself. It's been fantastic. So, you know, I think when the community comes together and is able to now, you know, operate their own spaces um, without having to rely on chambers, that's not in and of itself a good thing, I suppose, mm. and that can be developed in the future. But I think this statement, you know, it's it shouldn't have gone on a story. Um, it, you know, I even remember watching it where the lines would come up one after another. Like, it was a, almost like a video. Um, so, I don't know. I just think that the statement in and of itself should I, be I made. had to screen grab it and, and screenshot it as yeah. it was going and then try to read it. And I thought, okay, like, that's... You, you, you should just put it up as... Why didn't you just put it up as an actual post rather than a story? Yeah. I think if they put it as a post, it would be a little bit more accountability. It's almost like they want people, as little amount of people as possible to see it. And so then they can move on from it. That's how I, that was my feeling on it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Chris Fergal was making the point to me yesterday when it came out. He said, because it's a story, there isn't really a permanent record of it. Whereas if it was a post, it is there as a permanent record. And look, they may have had the best of intentions with that. It may just have been a a mistake of the way they put it up. We've got to give them credit for that. But Mm. you don't think it cuts the mustard, do you? No, to be honest, um, like based off of the stories I've seen and heard about how Chambers have been acting, even withdrawing their support from Pride in 2019, I wasn't aware of that, Mm. but they were still profiting off the community. Um, you know, I think they've shown their colours for a long time. Um, it's just now being a little bit more visible okay. and people can decide to take their business elsewhere yeah. and take their money elsewhere. It's so, not, you can't see it bringing, because they, they used to, you can't see it bringing the, the queer community flocking to the doors again. Yeah, look, I can't speak for the queer community. I'm not a part of it myself. I'd be, you know, I've been supporting Chambers as an ally for many years, okay. but, you know, I, I won't be. As just for myself, I won't be, but I can't, based off what okay. I've seen online, I can't see the community doing that, but that, I can't speak to them. That's fair, that's fair. Kaylee, thank you very much for that. Kian, Kian is an event manager for Instinct Events. Kian, you and I talked during all of this controversy. That apology stroke statement, cut any mustard with you? Good morning. Hey PJ, how are you? Um, absolutely not. I'm sorry. To, I've been trying to be very, very diplomatic myself because at Please the end do, of the day... Please do, because I get in trouble, not you. 
<laughs> no, in fairness, they're like, I have to work with venues in town. Do you know what I mean? That's it. And the thing is, I want to look from everybody's perspective. And I've been trying to do that. I've been sharing the outrage from everybody and the points of view of everybody. And that was my contribution to it, just social media wise. But like in terms of what came out yesterday, like you saw that statement um, there's a, it was disappearing as it was going on. The thing is, that's not a permanent statement. But like they had actual like Adele hello from the other side, as in like, look at my perspective and please take cheap drinks as an apology for, you know, basically mm. <laughs> painting over everything that you've contributed to my business for the last 17 years. That was my takeaway from it. Yeah, yeah. As in, well, we, we damaged our business with this and we better do our best to get it back. Kind of. Was that the vibe you got off it? Not really, to be honest with you. Like, to be, like I, th- I think they're grasping, in my own opinion, to be honest with you. I think it's just grasping at straws now. This thing has got much bigger than they anticipated. Mm. And, like, it's national news now. I mean, like, we had that Saints event there, like, last week or the week before last. And, like, over 500 people. We're trying to get in there. I got, and like I we got pictures from inside. Place. I got pictures sent to me and videos sent to me from inside. And so there was a queue out around the corner into Patrick. I nearly wanted to go. Because <laughs> DJ, it was actually, it was so much crack. Like, to be honest with you, the vibe was actually there. But the thing is, what I don't think people realize about Chambers as well is there's been a lot of people saying, you know, they've been alienated for years and years inside there. And the thing is, that's the truth. And the thing is, I would have been one of those people as well. And that's why I would have started Instinct. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was basically like um, an inclusive space for everybody. That's it. You go up. There was no dating apps allowed. We were actually inviting like queer DJs from all over the country to come down every single event. We're rotating cast members the entire time. Do you know what I mean? Like the thing is, it was literally like a celebration and all of the people that wouldn't be going to Chambers were going to Instinct. Do you know what I mean? Because they felt alienated for years. Mm. And the thing is, I get that myself because I felt that, do you know what I mean? And I even worked for the company a very long time ago and experienced a lot of the stuff that people have been saying as well. So like, I know firsthand exactly what's been going on. But the thing is like, I think the entire community now is galvanized together, to be honest with you. You have the Cork Track Rec Group. It's doing like the Pink Pages, which is essentially like a queer what's on guide. And everyone is coming together to put on their own events. Is that still going? Pardon? Is that still going, the Pink Pages? Well, they're call, calling it the Pink Pages. It's the new Pink Pages. Oh, basically. I remember one back in. Oh God, I remember one back in the nineties. Oh, your PJ generations of gays and all like would have been ringing up on that as well because there was nowhere to actually go to pubs as well. Do you know what I mean? You would have known that from back in the days when you were hanging around with Mister Pussy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, like, you know the story. Well, no, the no, 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 no. Like, see, Pussy, Pussy, and Mother, and and the few others that they just took over. Didn't care what the pub was. Just took over. Do you know? <laughs> That's what we're going for now. Do you know what I mean? Like, the thing is, like, literally now, I've been meeting with publicans for the last two weeks all across the city. And, like, they're all shocked, obviously, at what's been going on. Mm. They're like, why in the name of God would you do this? Because they know exactly how much money was being pumped into the place from the community. But the thing is, that's half the community, if not more, that have been alienated for years and the thing is, they've switched up their target markets. Do you know what I mean? I went in there a couple of months ago before I started Instinct again. I literally went in there and I walked in and I was
was like, oh my God, what's going on here? It was literally just a sea of lads with orange screens on, you know, just like on the apps online. Yeah. And then it was like, I think it was like four hen parties on the dance floor, just like surrounding the drag queens and having a skit. No, it was like, in fairness, it was great crack. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But you could see the fundamental difference. And the thing is, it didn't feel like a community to me. Do you know what I mean? This yeah, has yeah. been coming down the pipe a long time. They just absolutely shot themselves in the face with this, like, yeah. and then like, to be honest, like there has been outrage over that story yesterday then as well. Yeah. But like, you have to laugh as well. Like Adele, hello from the other side, <laughs> playing in the background as the message disappears slowly over about 13 seconds. You're just like, are you taking the mic? So the, like, the, the irony wasn't yeah. lost then, no? Oh, it wasn't, like, to be honest with you, like... Right. <laughs> Kian, I'll leave it there. Thanks ever so much. The, the statement did come out. Thanks, that's Kian, uh, Instinct Events. The statement did come out. Look, out of respect for Chambers' point of view, I'll just summarise it again um, for anyone who didn't see it, because if you didn't have time to grab it while it was going as an Instagram story, then it wasn't up there as a permanent post. Margaret here. I want to apologise for the upset caused by our actions during Freshers' Week. My team in Chambers always try to offer the best service and a safe space, but I failed this time. I got it wrong. It was never my intention to alienate anybody. I realise I offended and upset many of our loyal customers, and I'm very, very sorry. I should have handled this better. We're all aware of what happened. I've learnt from it, and I will take extra care in the future. As an additional apology, we're running a weekend-long promotion in Chambers for all of our customers. While I know it can't exactly make up for all the hurt it caused, I hope it'll go some way towards making amends. And it's signed, uh, Margaret. It's not going down like I think she might have expected to. But look, at least it came. 0818 96 96 96. On Mala, or Plasticine. Uh, Jackie says, try Joyce's in Princess Street for Mala. Thanks, Jackie. Mick, I destroyed me poor mother's rolling pin. <laughs> you and I, Mo. I destroyed me mother's rolling pin with Mala and got a slap of the wooden spoon for me trouble. I didn't do it again. Mags says, I don't believe it, Mags. Mags. Mags says you can still get it. And she sends me a picture. Um, plasticine. Six... Six vibrant colours. But you don't say, Mags, where you can get it. And you know what you do when you get the six colours of Mala, don't you? You lay them down on top of one another and you mash it and you pull it and you until you get a big brown ball. A ball of Mala. It seems there's a bit of Mala to be had out there. You can get it in Mr. Deal's in Middleton. About one fifty or two quid or something like that. Joyce's in Princess Street comes in again. Uh, Mick says you get it online on Amazon and you get it in Smith's. Oh, Smith's have Mala. Or Plasticine, of course. Plasticine. 0818 Other people are still messaging us about things like DVDs of old TV shows. There's a load of them can be got on, on Amazon. Um, I remember getting season four of Mr. Selfridge because I couldn't get it. It disappeared off Netflix. I took it off Netflix where we had a chance to watch season four. Um, and I got it. And they're, they're reasonably cheap, but I'd, I'd rather pick it up rather than going to Amazon and spending money on an international company, which I do all the time. I'm not being a virtue signaler here or anything, but I'd love to know if there was anyone had it locally. 
Um, like for example, I love. I must look up CX's website. I love CX. CX. You get some great stuff on their website. I must look. I, I, now that I've talked about it, and now that someone else realizes it was there and exists, I want to get that. The Invisible Man on DVD with David McCallum from the eighties. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You often heard the song. We all go down to y'all. We all did go down to y'all until some Egypt decided it would be a good idea to A, do away with the train and B, replace the train tracks which would make a fantastic public transport infrastructure in 2023 to replace it with a cycle lane. Like, that was that was bright. Yeah, right. Bright as bright as mud. But we all go down to y'all and if you did, anyone on holidays down there, you might have gone to the old picture palace and you would have heard or your parents might have told you about the Horgans the Horgans of Yall, they were shoemakers, but they also ran the Pitcher Palace. In fact, they were fascinating people. Not only did they run the Pitcher House and be shoemakers, but they also used to film daily life around Yall. And they were about the, the first in the country at doing that. Darina Clancy is a director with Cormorant Films and Darina, you guys are in the process at the moment of making a documentary about the Horgans who made documentaries themselves back in the day. Good morning. They, good morning, Peter. How are you doing? Great. Uh, yeah, they did. They did. I mean, you know, in their own way, they would have recorded daily life around Yall and they really did use Yall as a tapestry mm-hmm. for their their craft, I suppose, really, to be honest, you know. Um, they would have started out with photography, obviously, back mm. in the t- in the day, and uh, they would have photographed landscapes. But predominantly, as against the Lawrence collection that a lot of people would be familiar with around that time, around the 1810s into the 1910s, that's what, 1890s, I should say, into the 1910s, you know, the Horgan brothers, they would have used people, as in people were integral to their photography. So a lot of locals around you all would know that their grandmother or great-grandmother or whatever would be in their photographs making ropes or yeah. whatever it was that they were photographing in local uh, life, I suppose, the, the maritime connection as well, the fishermen, that sort of thing, everything, mm-hmm. anything to do with the RNLI, that sort of thing. They just photographed all of the social history that was going on in the town, even the the barracks and that sort of thing. Mm. And They took thousands they, they and thousands of photographs. Thousands of them, thousands of them. And, you know, obviously they travelled around because they were doing the same as the... Lumiere brothers in that they were making these traveling light shows. They were doing these traveling and they used to cycle from Yall to let's say Clashmore or Balamakoda or you mm. know to the Killa to the, the, the surrounding villages and towns with their light shows and their stereo pairs. And when they would do that, they would go to the hall, they would show photographs from all around the world, like the Great Wall of China and things like that. But they would also take portraits of locals. And they would also show stereo pairs where you hold up a device to your face and it almost makes it makes the image 3D. 3D. So they yeah. yeah, so they were they were really pioneers of their time, to be quite honest with you, at a time when it was really, you know, the kind of mm. mad inventor type time, if you know what I mean, That's that right. we would all remember. And the, the picture um, house. Now I there is a cinema in, in Yall now. I was trying mm. to is it is it in that old picture house? No, so there was there were two cinemas in Yall, and the the original Regal Cinema mm-hmm. was opened first, which is just down the road from the Horgan Picture Palace. So the Horgans would have opened theirs just after World War One, and they ran that ran and in the same location right up until 
um, the 90s, if not noughties, if I'm mm. correct. I, I remember finding a newspaper article when I knew I was going to talk to you. I found a newspaper article where people were afraid it might fall down on top of the houses behind it. It was in, in a bad state of repair. It was, yeah, it, it, it is currently, unfortunately, in a bad state of repair, which is an awful shame because it would make a great location for a museum for their work, to be quite honest with you. Um, because they, you know, because of their pioneering efforts in camera work and, mm. you know, adaptation of photographs and film and that sort of thing. The other important thing that they would have done was they would have um, created what's possibly the first animation in Ireland of anybody who's familiar with you all would know the clock gate. Yes. And they had the dance, they had that clock gate dancing, doing cartwheels and oh, twirling right. and all sorts of things. So they made, yeah, a, car- they made a cartoon. They, did, they literally made a cartoon well ahead of Disney. Well ahead of Disney. Frikey. So And how that yes, was done. Really I remember watching were. a documentary about that. Like you, They literally must have gone out and taken dozens of photographs of the clock tower, each one in a slightly different angle, and then you show them one after the other. Would you believe, I think they actually did stop motion in that I think they actually made a model of the clock gate and they they did it that way and then took hundreds of photographs of it, if you know what I mean, in different yeah. positions. A bit like the old cartoons. Phenomenal, like the it. cartoons that we watched as children. There were literally exactly. hundreds and hundreds of drawings. Yeah. Yeah. So this documentary that you're putting together, yes. you're looking for people. Mm. Look, it's a long time ago now. I don't know when when mm. they're, they're 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 not with us with with quite some time now. No, no, no. It's their descendants now that we're dealing with, uh, Patricia and Jim, and um, they would be the grandchildren of the Horgan brothers, okay. and then we have great grandchildren, obviously as well. Mm. So. I mean, realistically, what we're looking for is for people to go through their own, you know, um, ancestors' photographs. And I am nearly 100% certain that some people have photographs of their granny or granddad or great granddad in that would have been taken by the Horgan brothers Mm -hmm. um, back in the day. And not only that, but people would remember going to the Horgan Picture Palace also. Yeah. Um, and what we're looking for is as many stories as possible about that to, to bring to the documentary. Um, yeah. Because we're looking for folklore as well as the factual, you know, techni- technical aspects of what they did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, anybody who's photographs like that, we'd love to hear from them, you know. Y'all was a place where people went, like y'all at one point was the Benny Dorm of Cork, like thousands, <laughs> because, you know, like that was going abroad. Like Crosshaven was going abroad, but we all was going abroad, abroad, like. Absolutely. And And I mean, the length of the beach as well. You have photographs there from Edwardian times where on Clay Castle in the front strand, they would have gone right up to the top of Clay Castle and taken pictures. And the beach is thronged with people in fabulous clothing and bonnets and hats and things like that and top hats. It's just remarkable to see like that they captured all of that history. You know, people promenading as they would have done. Whereas now we just go to the beach. These yeah. people would have been promenading along yeah. the beach. You know, yeah. so it was. It's it's quite something to see, and okay. you know, you can see that the the landscape hasn't changed that much. No, if anybody has stuff, pictures or memories yeah. or stories, who can they contact? They can contact. We have an email address. If that's okay, and it's horganfilm at gmail dot com. Okay. Horganfilm at gmail dot com. Good luck with it. I can't wait to see it. 
Thank you so much, PJ. Cheers. Cheers. That's Doreen Clancy, Director of Cormorant Films, making a documentary about the Horgans of Yall. Fascinating history. Thousands and thousands of photographs and horganfilm at gmail.com. Could we mention happy 99th birthday to Cathy Daly in Douglas. Enjoy the celebrations and have a great big Bailey's coffee for yourself. Sending lots of love from grandchildren Eric, Adam and Emma. We don't normally do those, but it's not every day someone is 99. Give her a big big Bailey's coffee now. Big Bailey's coffee. And also, I forgot this yesterday and I apologise to uh, my dear friend, Catherine Mahan Buckley, who asks me to mention Anne Burton, who was her mum's best friend and the costume mistress at CADA for 30 years. She celebrated her birthday yesterday. She's in Marymount. She's a regular listener to the programme and loves the show and will get a huge kick out of hearing her name mentioned. A happy birthday to a wonderful lady who is so loved, and that's from Catherine and Ted and all at CADA Performing Arts. Very happy to mention that too. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Actually, something else to mention, and I can't tell you who. I can't. It's classified information. But you know the Army Rangers that were part of that massive drugs bust this week on board the Matthew. Well, one of the Army Rangers, his dad, is a regular on the show. Can't say any more than that. It's classified. But dad texted me last evening, sent me a photograph, and he said, what a proud dad moment. I can tell you no more. It's classified information, but... uh, Yeah. 0818 And thank you for your service, young man. Thank you for your service. 0818-96-96-96. Now, your best friend is 17 years of age. That's 17 going on. What's 17 by 7? That's 17 going on 129. Um, And he goes missing. And he has arthritis, he's deaf, and he's almost blind. So your world falls, falls apart. But Russell turned up two days later, Susan. Good morning. Good morning. Tell me about this wonderful 17-year-old Jack Russell Terrier called Russell. Tell me all about him. (laughs) Um, Russell, uh, he actually went missing for four days, four nights, and it was during really bad weather as well, bad storms that we had over here. Yeah. Um, And we're in a very rural part of southwest Cork. Um, and he went missing. Uh, we were looking everywhere. We didn't know what to do at the time. I was working in England, and uh, I found out about it on the Thursday night, and my husband said he's, he's run off and we can't find him anywhere. So I got the next flight back. Um, in the meantime, the um, West Cork Welfare Group in, uh, uh, in over here, a charity, got out search parties of many, many people and they were scouring the land everywhere for him. And we eventually found him four days later after being out for four nights in the terrible wet and cold um, up against a, a, a ruin of a on a farm, on up against a ruined wall, sitting there shaking. And I'm so grateful to the farmer, Sean Barry, who found him eventually. Mm. He ran uh, away after getting a fright. Thing. He ran away after getting Pardon? a fright. He got a fright or something, did he? 
He's well. He suffers from a little bit of dementia. Seventeen years old, and he woke up in a start, and so we don't know. Maybe he had a dream or something. I don't know. Mm. But he just shot off. Um, our house is, God, a good quarter of a mile from a road. We've we've got quite a bit of land. We've got a small farm, so he ran out onto the road. He can normally not run that far, and people saw him trotting along the road like he was on a mission. Um, but obviously, when we found him, the poor little thing, he was starving, he was freezing. He'd got um, a blowfly as well. So he had maggots on him. He uh, was in a, such a state. Um, it's an old man of 109, like, let's think about this. He yeah. is. Well, actually, it works out in Jack Russell years. It works out he's 82. Really? Okay, I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was 7 times 17, which would be 109. It generally is. depends on the breed of the dog, apparently. Oh, okay. um, in different, different years. But he's a darling little thing, and he's never complained once. And all the time he's been going back to the vets, he's been having oh, all sorts of injections and treatments, yeah. and he just lays there and he accepts it. He's such a little sweet. They're wonderful, loyal little Glad dogs anyway. Them. They really are. Yeah. Everyone that went looking for him and found him, and so grateful to the vet for looking after him so well. And, and is, he, yeah, so is, he, is he okay? Like, um, is he is he is he all right? He's picking up, but very slowly, very slowly picking yeah. up. We're trying to get him to eat a little bit gradually, um, trying to get him to drink a bit more. He's a little bit wobbly on his legs still, but that's yeah. understandable. Um, but he's he's picking up gradually day by day. But the go vet on. said it's going to be a long haul because he's he's such an old dog. Go and make him a nice chicken but breast and mash it. Just can't believe it. the support we've received, though. Honestly, oh, on social media, messages from around the world. He's Fantastic. like the most famous dog in West Cork. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, great to see Russell back at home, seventeen years old, which in Jack Russell years is eighty-two. Seventeen years old, blind, deaf has arthritis, and he's back after going missing. Good for him. Thank you for that, Susan. There are rumours, now this is a rumour, of a possible industrial action by bus drivers from Sunday. We've been getting calls about this off the air. We've checked with Bus Erin. They sent a big, long statement back in the last 10 minutes, but it contains the line, Bus Erin has not been made aware of any potential official industrial action commencing on Sunday, 1st October. It is widely rumoured, but not confirmed. But we are getting calls about it all morning. Uh, Bus Aaron sent a statement in which they just say they've not been made aware. A big long statement, typical. Thank you. Um, there's a big core contingent at Ireland's biggest scale model show at the Lucan Spa Hotel. Uh, that's in Dublin, Saturday and Sunday. But if you want to go to ipmsireland.com, you can join in. You can see the models online. Thanks for that. There are tons and tons of stuff that I'm just not going to get to today. It's been a really busy day and a really busy week. Programme today edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. Get another Bailey's Coffee in for Cathy Daly. Have a lovely weekend. Enjoy the Ryder Cup if it's your thing. It's certainly mine. And I'll talk to you Monday just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.